the latest anti-spyware, anti-virus, anti-malware. And hotel prices in the UK dipped last year, despite fears the Olympics would mean a hike in room rates. In London, rates fell 3% to an average of £126 a night, and prices fell or were flat in 32 of the 41 UK destinations surveyed. London's weather, a dry day with sunny spells, a high of 13 degrees Celsius, 5 degrees the temperature right now in Covent Garden. LBC 97.3, it's three minutes past four. LBC 97.3, text 84850, tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I feel such a fool. I feel such a fool this morning. The Queen goes in hospital, gastroenteritis. In one day, out the next, here's me, still with the same blooming thing as I had yesterday. I don't know, she's obviously made of sterner stuff than I am. She's 86 and I'm, uh, well, anyway, not 86. So, uh, yes, it's still here. Yes, it's still sort of clinging on. Yes, it's blooming annoying. Yes, it's driving me mad. Yes, it's very infuriating. And, and yes, I'm definitely going to the doctors today to sort of say, listen, there's got to be something, hasn't there? There's got to be some sort of spray or some sort of miracle cure. I mean, look, I like the idea that Duncan said uh, a really hot... Thai green curry. The two bottles of chilled white wine didn't sound exactly the most brilliant thing I could ever try, but the uh, the chilled curry. I'm, I'm sorry, not the chilled curry, but the but the curry is a good idea. Not a huge fan of Thai green curry. I think it's the one that's going to take the roof of your mouth off. But I've eaten the packet of Bombay mix, and to be honest with you, that's done absolutely diddly squat. Diddly, it just made it a little bit more sexy, you know, or sort of kind of sexy in a strange sort of remedial sort of way. Anyway, so uh, this morning. I sort of get up early. Now, you know, you know when you wake up, and the first thing I do is I've, I put the radio on in the bathroom, and then I put the television on in the sitting room. I make myself a cup of coffee, uh, or have some oranges, which I had this morning, some satsumas, and sat down and go la 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 la, and do this whole charade, hoping to get your voice back in again. I think what's going to happen is one, I'm just going to wake up one morning and there it, it's back, and I'll go, oh look, amazing, we've seen ourselves through the rain, and uh, so I was sort of. Uh, going through the uh, the television channel, flick, 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 and all of a sudden I came across the, across the only way is Essex, which which I was I was quite pleased with actually, because it's uh, it's been some time since I've caught up with the dreary old bags on there. Uh, nothing had changed except this this time round, there's some girl called Yasmin. Yasmin's got what can only be described as the campus brother, you know, since Bobby uh, sashayed down the street in Brentwood. And he thinks he's going to go and work for Joey Essex because Joey Essex has actually got this uh, shop. I mean, to be honest with you, he's too dim to run a shop. I mean, he really is too dim to run a shop. And so Yasmin's there. And so Yasmin obviously lives at home. She's um, she's a foul mouthed old bag at the best of times. Um, quite pretty. And then she ruins it. And she opens her mouth. And, and she turns out to be just another common little tart who doesn't know how to string two words together. In fact, she can barely string two words together. One would be pushing it for her intelligence. And who's her date with? None other than well-known Lothario and fat boy around town and ultimately the dimmest plank next to Joey Essex. Yes, fat boy Arge. Fat boy Arge turns up. Quite clearly, fat boy Arge doesn't drive. Sounds a bit like fat Fort Boyard, doesn't it? Fat boy Arge. And uh, he doesn't drive, and to be honest with you, I think that's fairly a good thing, because he doesn't quite, quite clear have any money. He pitches up at Yasmin's house. Yasmin, quite clearly, has spent the entire day modelling herself on her, some poor old sad page three girl. Because there she is with the sort of the ringlets and the troweled-on makeup, and the father, who sort of does the, I'm watching you, to Arge, when Arge pitches up in a little girly bow tie. 
it's all a little bit worrying, but we know it's contrived, and we know it's, it's, so we sort of watch it. And Arge goes, uh, so you're going to be driving? Because obviously either Arge doesn't drive or he's not allowed to by the government. I'm hoping it's the latter. And, um, and so she goes, what? and then she uses bad words. You know, I have to say bad words because I can't even allude to what they are this morning because she's so foul-mouthed. She makes, uh, she makes Gemma Collins look as if she's sort of Princess Tiamy. And that's not uh, the other one. That's out of a Disney film. And uh, I was sort of watching her, and, I, and then she said, no, because I, I want to get... I want to drink. And they're going round to the well-known Fahir Sisters hovel, uh, which is laughingly called a bungalow in Essex, or as we prefer to call it, low rent. Meanwhile... Over in her shop, where there are no customers at all for poor little Lucy, Lucy's pouring her heart out to one of the three witches from Macbeth, who turns out to be Lydia Bright's mother, the interfering old bag of the First Order, who comes up with the biggest guff you've ever heard. I mean, this how she's made it to adulthood. This woman is too stupid. She goes, of course, that's like the Essex way, isn't it? She goes, you know, people... I'm thinking, what are you on about, love? The Essex way? Don't be so stupid and thick. Anyway, thank God we've seen the back and the front of Lydia Dim. But uh, now you've got to put up with the mother, who's just an interfering old bag. She's... Is she in the podcast? In, in whose podcast? Mine. Oh, Lydia. Oh, how lovely. And, uh, and so we were sort of... You know, I was sort of watching this programme. And then I was, I was reminded when I read Kevin O'Sullivan's column the other day. And Kevin says, Congratulations to the top team at the Only Wears Essex for packing Series 457 with a wide range of exciting new storylines. Lovelorn Lucy Mecklenburg. This is the, you know, I'm sort of over 20, but I behave like a seven-year-old, crying a lot because she fears her on-off, on-off, on-off recurring fiancé, un-Super Mario, may have been unfaithful, never heard that one before. Outsized duo giant Gemma and Fat Arge are both vowing to lose a couple of tons in a forlorn bid to change their lousy lives. Groundbreaking stuff. Velcro-haired Joey Essex. Oh, dear, I mean, there's a worry, isn't it, poor soul? Uh, Opening the latest of the spray-tan gang's crap shops, which presumably, he hopes, might be a little bit more successful than the one Lauren Goodger's just had to close. Because she's opening a bigger one, apparently, we were told. Remember that one? We were told she's opening a bigger shop. Still waiting on that, and uh, we'll bring it to you first. I've got a brain! says Mr Essex, continuing his dreary theme of his theatrical thickness, but it doesn't work very well. Meanwhile, are we actually supposed to believe that the puppeteer producers had nothing to do with penniless Bobby's irresponsible ambition to become a gay dad? And did Spotty Diags devise his nonsensical cheesebroker career all by himself? There he was, poor old Diags. I mean, dear God in heaven, I mean, he could join the dots on his face with the spots he's got going on and probably make a more interesting picture. Gee, um, who's, the, who's the old bag in there who's, who's had so much surgery? She's just, dear, Chloe Sims. They, they go to a, a salon, which unfortunately is fronted by nobody we'd ever seen before. The girl working in the salon, I'm assuming it must be some freebie, because there was this troweled on old makeup bleach blonde bag who was putting on chocolate onto Diags' face. Whereas anybody can tell you, if you've got bad spots, chocolate is the last thing you want to put on your face, I'm afraid. It doesn't work, and it's not very good. And so there he is, the girly boy of all girly boys. And we can't quite work out if he's coming on to Chloe Sims. I mean, she must be the last turkey in the shop, God knows. I mean, you wouldn't come on to her. I mean, she's old and past it. And that was in the first series, but unfortunately she's still clinging on in. So, nothing new in this series. Nothing new. Joey's little shop will open. And probably close again, because all he sells is trousers and T-shirts. And, you know, if you want trousers and T-shirts, go to a proper shop. 
Go to a proper shop. You don't need to go to some poor old... He won't be working in there half the time because he's far too busy being Joey Essex. I can't wait for it all to finish. And then, of course, Arge pitches up at the Fahir sister's house where Sam goes... That's the one with the piggy eyes who's going out with, with Joey, who's wearing another one of his Nancy boy outfits. And so... And he pitches up with, with Jasmine. Arge pitches up with Jasmine. And Sam goes, like, you know, Arge, you should have told us you're bringing somebody. Everybody else is in couples except Arge because you don't really want to be seen with him because he's too much of an embarrassment. And so she said, you should have, you should have told us you was bringing somebody because she said, I've only got five pieces of salmon. And I thought, well, what stupid lump, unless you're from Essex, only buys five pieces of salmon? They come in boxes of two or six. They don't come in fives. So quite clearly the fat bag, who is the Fahir's sister, has eaten one herself. And quite clearly, no other food in the house. To be honest with you, given the choice of eating there or eating out for all eternity, I'm afraid I eat out for all eternity. I mean, you just, you couldn't, it's not a case if you can't make these people up. They are just too stupid. And by the time I'd heard Yasmin, and my advice to Yasmin would be, darling, watch the programme back and then try and change your voice. You know, I've changed my voice. I've gone from being, ooh, to all of a sudden, we're low down here somewhere. You know, trying to make it sound a little bit sexy. But uh, as, as you discovered from yesterday, the time we'd got halfway through the programme, we were actually sort of, we were sort of firing on most cylinders. Because you've got to kind of work your voice in. It's like uh, we described yesterday, opera singers. Opera singers have to go la 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 and try and make themselves sound better. So I've got the usual today. It's the usual chemist. Here we go. We've got the Pavacol D. We've got uh, water. We've got the chloroseptic. We've got some little satsumas. We've got some honey, and we'll have some black coffee very shortly. In fact, all in all, that's all we need for a programme on LBC 97.3. But, it, uh, but we, we did agree with everything that Kevin O'Sullivan says. And what did I see the other day? Oh, a very good single, and it's Pink and Some Bloke. I can't tell you who it is, because I know nothing about pop music, as you can imagine. But really, really good. Really, really good single. Pink and Some Bloke, who I thought was... Uh, he's got a fairly high-pitched voice, but very good indeed. Very catchy little record. Very catchy. Uh, one here that says, uh, get some Corvonia throat spray. No, it doesn't work. I've been using it for the past week. It's rubbish. You see, not everything works for everybody. It might work for you. Rubbish for me, I'm afraid. Don't, don't work at all. Don't work at all. So we all try them. And that's why that, uh, you know, the, the, the chemists are full of all these different things. They've never found a remedy for the common cold. They closed down the Common Cold Research Institute. Because if they found a cure for the common cold, there'd be one medication on the market. But there are thousands. It's a billion pound a year industry. Because when you get a cold, you go, I don't feel very well. Whereas I feel absolutely fine. It's just the bloody voice has given up. Which is a bit of a pain in this business, as you can imagine. But it's, it's very infuriating. But we do our best. We, uh, we, we, don't, we don't struggle through. We don't call it struggling through. I think the Queen, as I say, if, if she, at 86... If she's in and out of hospital, I mean, I'm feeling really pathetically stupid this morning because she's got more stamina than I've got in my entire body. And she's just a little bit older than me. Apparently today, apparently today it's a heat wave. I can't wait. It's a heat wave. They say 16 degrees. Whoopee! That'll be good, won't it? Yeah, Hawaiian shirt day, I think, today. Hawaiian shirt... No, no, is that... Yeah, Hawaiian shirt day. I should have worn it this morning, but then you think, you feel such a fool walking out of here because yesterday I walked out of the building... And the, the sun was shining, and I got my little hat on, you know, look a bit like Noddy, or Bo Peep, as somebody said, or Gadget, Inspector Gadget, I think, was the other one. 
And uh, I thought, should I put my sunglasses on? I thought, no, it just makes it look as though you've got conjunctivitis. So I didn't, I didn't bother. And, 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 I, and I looked a bit showbiz, you know, walking up with my little carrier bag. There's nothing less showbiz than Steve Allen with his carrier bag. I am Edna, the inebriate woman, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm here for your further listening pleasure. And uh, as long as you can put up with the sounding fairly butch and raspy. Uh, unfortunately, it's still as sharp as anything else. If I was any sharper, I'd cut myself. And we're here until 6.30. Seats at all prices. This is LBC 97.3. 97.3. And look at the team this morning. As it's revealed, the government reveals... There's a lot of revealing this morning on the programme. They're seeking ways to give local people priority for council houses. Nick will want to know, will it work? Plus, after a psychiatric patient is sentenced to 37 years for decapitating a woman in the street, Nick will want to know how many more people with mental health issues are slipping through the net. And how would you feel about the London police wearing high-visibility yellow jackets as part of their standard uniform? I don't have a problem with that one at all, I'm afraid. Zoe Williams, columnist for The Guardian, is looking at the papers for today. No, I think a high-visibility high jacket... Everybody's wearing the blooming things. Have you noticed? Everybody wears high-visibility jackets. Uh, 84850, steve at Unfortunately, we were doing so much better with the text before... Because, uh, because at least we were sort of getting them up to date. On this screen, you don't get them up to date. They're, like, so far backwards, I'm afraid. It's ridiculous. As I say, we were doing very well with the computer earlier on, but we were on a different screen. Now we're on the new screen. It doesn't update anything for about three days. I see the Prince of Wales, showing how far removed they are from the rest of us, has spoken of his excitement at the prospect of bonding with his first grandchild... Because you know the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are expecting their first child in July. Charles said of becoming a grandfather. Wait for this. This is how out of touch. It's a lovely thought, and I look forward enormously to that relationship. What the hell does that mean? It's a lovely thought, and I look forward enormously to that relationship. God dear. Listen to this poor kid. This poor kid has got no idea what family they're wandering into. No idea at all. 84850, UK. Uh, so 16 degrees today. Oh, Ian Highland. Oh, that's why. They obviously... I think he must have moved from the people. I think he, he, he absolutely has done. Uh, the Queen looking very, very good. Leaving hospital after this speedy recovery. I want what they've given her. I don't want to hang around any longer. Uh, bad news for Daybreak, I'm afraid. Uh, they've lost 100,000 viewers since their relaunch six months ago. I see. What they should never have done is started messing about with it in the first place. You know, they tried it, they put in the dreary twosome, the hi-year. Oh, I could still do that, even with a cold. Hi-year. And uh, an Adrian Childs. Boring as heck. Boring as heck. They should have left the original team. They didn't need to do anything to it. It was doing fine. And so they've relaunched it, and they put in Ali Jones, who I love to pieces, and Lorraine Kelly. And they've hemorrhaged 100,000. So they're now down to 700,000. That's less than half the audience of the BBC's programme. And when you think about it, the BBC's is just doing sort of news, blah, 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 whereas Daybreak stick people on like Tamara Eccleston. Well, quite clearly, you, the general public, couldn't give a forex about Tamara Eccleston and whether she's bullied or... You know, you're not remotely interested because you're switching off in your droves. You know, it's, you know it's, it's just one of those things that you can't quite put your finger on what they've done to it, but they've screwed it. And they've screwed it really badly. Apparently now bosses are going to have to pump more money in, something they don't like doing. Uh, and if, if they don't get their million viewers by September, they're going to pull the plug. So it says. So it says. I mean, do, do you really think they're going to pull the plug on it? I, I mean, I don't know what you can do about it. You know, you can only 
you know, sit down there and do what you do. And I don't know what the winning formula, well, apart from this programme. I mean, this programme gets the biggest audience in London, bar nothing, OK? Nothing. Even the old fat bird just over the river, she can't pull an audience either, poor cow. But there again, you saw a dance, didn't you? <sighs> Dear God in heaven. There's one thing taking the mickey out of yourself, and there's another thing going, why don't you stay at home a bit more often? You know, a bit like seeing Gemma Collins from The Only Way is Essex in a leotard. It's just not pleasant. But there again, you know, that's why there's people like Bobby out there in Brentwood. Bobby the gay obviously looked at her and thought, I think I'll be gay. I don't think I'll be heterosexual. Not my kind of thing. And uh, so he's there, one of the ugliest gays in the village. I don't think it was possible, actually, to be that ugly and still be hanging around. But he is still mincing up and down the high street. Nobody knows what the hell he does. He's got his little clutch bag and uh, talks like that, you know... And uh, and every and then the funny thing was the other day, you know, being the only gay in the village, they sit him in a heterosexual sauna, with uh, with Mario, and uh, the bloke who's not gay but who Bobby fancied at one time, and we had this bizarre, ridiculous scenario going on in Essex, which I thought was was just not real. You know, the only gay in Essex, he would have been drowned in that sauna. I'm terribly sorry. They don't hang around actually. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC. Dot co dot uk. Uh, Cynthia is 36 today, feeling a little low. Not surprised at 36. Good God, I mean, you're pushing the boat out, aren't you? 36? Cool. Well, you're not going to be seeing Christmas, are you, anytime soon? Oh, I was very depressed when I was 36 the other year. But uh, this year, coming up, 38. Sorry, 37. 37 last year, 38 this year. So 36, I know what it's like. She says, um, where have all the years gone? Well, I mean... I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. They've just gone. Actually, the funny thing is, the older you get, the quicker it goes. So, and especially when you're 36, your next birthday will be 40. And then between 40 and 50, it goes like that. And and then you might as well start looking at, you know, start taking advantage of those adverts with Michael Parkinson, where they send you a free Parker pen just for inquiring about your funeral costs. Because you've got to start thinking about things like that. You know, start looking at cemeteries and thinking, you know, where would I like to be buried? Under that tree? Would I like to be scattered? You know, you've got to think about these things. Because Gould knows, you know, it takes its toll on you, doesn't it, in this day and age? And especially as you've got Mother's Day coming up, Easter, price of Easter eggs, terribly expensive. I never do Easter eggs. <coughs> never bothered me in the slightest. As a kid, you know, you did. You used to, I think we used to probably get about six Easter eggs as kids. But now as an adult, and believe you me, I laughingly call myself an adult, I, um, I just can't, I can't get into Easter eggs. I look at them and I think, they're just so boring, aren't they? It's a pretty egg in a box, and then we used to open it as kids. You go, oh, well, it's a Smarty egg. And you break the egg and there would be a little packet inside of Smarties. And that would be the excitement. And then if you're really posh, your mum got a chocolate egg from Lint with the chocolates in a small box just underneath the egg. But 90% of it is packaging. You know, if they did away with packaging, I just popped it. What did I buy the other day? Oh, what did I, I buy? The, McDonald's. McDonald's. We're having... We're sitting... It was ghastly. The food was disgusting. I can't begin to tell you how vile it was. It really was awful. It was it, no taste, no nothing. Just... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and it was £10 something for two people. I mean, God, we'd have been, been cheaper off going out buying Bombay Mix. Anyway, so we, we buy it. And they go, eat in or take away? And that strange little way they have at McDonald's of patronising you at the counter. And so we go, eat in. So what they do is, they give you the burger in a box, the most disgusting onion rings I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, they really were so old and horrible. My friend had to take his burger back because it was stone cold. They care that little. And, um, and they give it to you in a brown paper bag. 
So before, they used to give it to you on a tray, and then you took it. I mean, the, the waste of packaging. So we take it back to the table, and then we take the food out of the paper bag, and we throw the paper bag away. What a waste. Talk about McDonald's wasting stuff. Food, I suppose, mostly. Dreadful. 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. Uh, one here from... Um, he said, sounding better this morning, says Robin. Dick, it sounds better than yesterday. Is it actually getting better than... I think it's better than yesterday. Wait a minute. It's, it sounds slightly worse. Oh, lower key. All right. The recollection of last time, the producer said, that this is actually getting better. Wait a minute. This is this chloroseptic. Oh, God. It, oh, it's vile, that chloro. Uh, actually, it's not... Uh, horrid. Yeah, th- th- this isn't chloroseptic. This is a, a, a an own company brand thing. Tastes vile. You get you get different flavours, do you? Oh, God, I do hope so soon. He said, I'm still to see an episode of TOWIE, but I did manage to catch another of your favourites last week. People like us from Harper Hay in Manchester. People like no one I've ever met, thankfully. I thought I was watching a new episode of Shameless. I can now see the difference between Shameless and people like us. One is with actors paid to portray low life, and the other are idiots paid for being low life. Aren't they disgusting? The language, I mean, I've, I've never heard anything like it. I mean, sometimes it's... I, I do sit there and I, I, do, I do cringe at language on television. And don't get me wrong, I'm no prude. I just don't want to hear it on the television. It's like watching the Jeremy Kyle show, where, you know, nasty man comes and shouts in your face. As Trisha says, and she was in the papers the other week, you know, that's not the way you counsel these people. Apart from the fact they're all pond life anyway. Uh, you know, you have to sort of deal with them properly. But he shouts in their face. It's horrible. Horrible. Not nice at all. Uh, 84850, uk. I have a garlic sandwich, says somebody. Oh, dear, I don't like garlic. It's supposed to be very good for you. Michael Van Stratton um, really, really, you know, in, enjoys garlic. And it's seen him out, you know, sort of seen him in, sorry. It makes him seem like he's gone or something. Uh, one here. From Pete, he says, congratulations on your, on your new contract. We're into March. I got it in before Christmas. <laughs> before Christmas, which is nice. Um, use a pasty called Vocal Zone. Apparently Tom Jones uses them. That's all... Sort of, yeah, I could do, actually, couldn't I? I suppose I could use something like that. Uh, so, anyway, just going back to um, poor old Daybreak. Um... When, when they axed GMTV, 900,000 they were getting, so they've hemorrhaged 200,000. And I don't know what the... You know, I'm no better qualified. I just know that when you turn on the television, it's just... It's like watching Loose Women. Loose Women is fine until, you know, one of the patronising presenters, whoever it happens to be, sort of goes, and so-and-so, so-and-so is coming up, and you think, yep, yeah, just the same guests that I have coming through here. But firstly, here's another rip-off... Sorry, here's another competition to part you from your money. And they go into that, then they go to a break, then they come back, then they waffle more drivel. And uh, it's just a lot of menopausal women sitting on the television discussing how bad their sex lives are. Except Carol Vorderman, who very wisely keeps very quiet about the whole thing. The rest of them just drone on. In sort of that, sort of, it, it used to be good, but it's kind of losing its way a little bit. And I think Daybreak's done the same. You know, what you need to do is find... You know, we don't want to see stupid pets. You know damn well if there's going to be a story in the paper today about... For example, Nick Clegg sending his son to Blair's Catholic school, and Nick's not remotely religious. That will be something they will probably cover. If there's a celebrity story in the papers, and there will be, uh, then they'll be doing something on that. You've also got to put up with the uh, dreadful Richard Arnold. I mean, really, 
really awful. I can imagine people just going, he's so irritating, turn the television off. And, uh, and unfortunately, that's, that's the way it goes. And once people start turning off, and they are turning off, they should have left it as it was. They should never have touched it. They wasted money on Christine Bleakley, who had no personality whatsoever, as is evidence from the Dancing on Ice programme. Adrian Childs, the most boring voice, first thing in the morning. And, uh, and then last April, it did go up to 800,000 with Kate Garraway and Dan Lobb. And then they decided to get rid of Dan Lobb, who was a bit like a talking knitting pattern. And they got rid of Steve Hargrave, and then they brought back in Richard Arnold. And I kept thinking, nobody liked Richard Arnold first time round. He's very, very irritating. Very, very irritating. And irritating ain't good, I'm afraid. Irritating means switch off. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's 4.30. Morning, 27 minutes to 5. Tuesday morning in London town. Ian Highland... He's, he's a very good TV critic. I like Ian Highland. I like all of them, actually. Mind you, I go back to Margaret Forward days. Margaret Forward used to feature on LBC, and she was very good. She was very good. I, like, I just like people who do the observations. You know, people would say to me, oh, you're very bitter about television. You think, yeah, because I get paid for talking about it. It always makes me laugh. You know, when you've got somebody who, who you know, they say, if you don't like something, don't watch it. Well, you might as well write to all the TV critics saying, you know, if you don't like it, don't watch it. They get paid for talking about it, paid for highlighting all the things that you and I don't like about programmes. So when you watch The Only Way is Essex and you watch any of the other reality shows, and Duncan and I seem to watch a fair share of the uh, women of Orange County, the women of... What was the one he was... What, he, was he texted me yesterday. He was watching something. Unfortunately, I was caught up with something else. And he'd, uh, he'd sort of got himself... That's right, The Real Housewives of Atlanta... Brutal, he wrote. Brutal. And I was watching one the other day, and I, I don't know if it's, if it's real or if it's a document or, or if it's not a, not a reality show, if it's something... I don't know what I'm watching. And it was a black family and a bloke who's quite clearly a preacher, and he was trying to talk about the facts of life to his children, and they live in this big mansion, and, and I wasn't sure if it was real or if it wasn't real. I don't know why a priest or a, or a man of the cloth would allow somebody to come and film in his bedroom and talking about the facts of life to his children, something which he appeared not to be very qualified in whatsoever. But the house looks lovely. I love the house. But I don't know if it's real. I can't... There's, there's too many of them at the moment. Uh, Ian talks today about Graham Norton, about to record a seven-hour-long chat show for Comic Relief. Meanwhile, he says every episode of, of the Jonathan Ross show simply feels like it goes on for seven hours, sometimes longer. Tired, he said, is the most polite thing you can say about it. Here's Jonathan interviewing singer Bruno Mars. I've never been to Hawaii. I'd love to go to Hawaii. And two minutes later, here's me interviewing you in Hawaii when you were four. And uh, Ian says, Jonathan, I think you need a holiday. Well, of course, the, the big, big letdown with Jonathan Ross was having uh, Dirty Texting Boy, uh, what's his name, Jason Manford, and not mentioning it, trying to portray him as some family bloke as opposed to some dirty old man who pays brasses for uh, a bit of nookie on the, uh, on the phones. Something slightly worrying. Uh, he says, and I'm not saying Dancing on Ice has been terminally boring this year, but my interest levels are currently on a par with the freezing point of water, which is a coincidence, if nothing else. He talks about um, ITV's new cooking spectacle, Food Glorious Food, one of the worst programmes I've seen. And again... Some people who are desperate to be famous, including some woman who stuck what can only be described as a cottage loaf on her head. And again, another one of these silly little show-off people. And it was just... It was just dreadful. It was just dreadful, I'm afraid. And so, you know, that one needs to go as well. Alan Sugar, hitting out at the BBC after a Nokia phone, enjoyed a lingering close-up on EastEnders last week. 
Well, there's loads of product placement all over the BBC. All over, I've seen it on their, their breakfast programme. I've seen blatant celebrities sitting there plugging items, holding them up to the cameras. You know, editors should be fired for that. There are rules, and uh, the BBC break them every single day. Kelly Brook, of course, made a tidy start on Celebrity Juice. Looks lovely, but she's thick as a plank, poor soul. A friend of mine was at a pub in Chelsea uh, over the weekend, and she was sitting at the next table with her uh, rugby-playing boyfriend. He said there were quite a number of famous people. I said, you know, Kelly Brook is... is she, he said, she looks gorgeous. I said, yeah. I said, but you know she's dim. And he went, oh, yeah, that was patently obvious. <laughs> patently obvious. And, uh, and I'm afraid, you know, Keith Lemon, who is the character of Lee Francis. Although, to be honest with you, he seems to play this character all the time. He turns up towards ceremonies, he's playing Keith Lemon. I, th- I don't think there is any such thing as a character. I think that's him. He's just a foul-mouthed, disgusting little person uh, who happens to sort of put this kind of vulgar filth and everything else on the television. It really is. I mean, why Holly Willoughby's on there, I've got no idea. And then we realised, didn't we, Holly Willoughby's husband is a producer. What does he produce? He produces Celebrity Juice. And so, consequently, they put her on there. I mean, she seems to have about four different careers, Holly Willoughby. I quite like her, but, uh, you know, some of the things, it's just, it's filth. It is absolute filth. And uh, well done to Paddy McGuinness. And uh, in the rush to congratulate him, Keith Lemon uh, neglected to ask him how his other show, Paddy's TV Guide, is getting on. Uh, Luckily, I can tell you that Channel 4 have dumped it in a slot around midnight. Uh, The next one to be dumped unceremoniously will have to be a a dreadful quiz show and that cooking show as well with uh, Lisa Faulkner and uh, Ben Shepherd. I mean, really, just, just terrible, just terrible. Makes Daybreak look sophisticated. And as we all know, they'll all, be, they'll all be trooping into the studio now to get themselves ready and trowel on the makeup. whereas really the audience are just going, do you know, I think we'd rather listen to LBC. Far more entertaining. Far more entertaining. Uh, 84850, uh, 84850, uk. Here's one from uh, David. He said, you should have a look at the Chelsea programme. Oh, I have. Oh, I've looked at the Chelsea. Oh, you don't need to tell me about the Chelsea programme. Oh, I like the Chelsea programme, but they don't do anything. Whereas in The Only Way is Essex, they can't speak. And they're all, let's just call them common, shall we? You know, very bad examples to anybody uh, who wants to string two words together. All they talk about is their dreary sex lives. And in Lucy Mecklenburg's case, they'll be burying her in a Y-shaped coffin, I should imagine, because she'll be forgiving Mario again. Uh, They have to drown Lydia Bright's mother. She's got to go, I'm afraid. She's too barking mad. Little phrases like, well, that's the Essex way. You know, it's just, it's just, just ridiculous. And uh, we have to get rid of Kirk. He's a bit dreary. I think Bobby could be drowned in the same bath. Uh, Arge, who is neither funny nor interesting nor attractive or intelligent anymore. And Joey Essex, the sooner the shutters go up on the shop and it's closed due to, uh, due to lack of interest, the better and the happier we will all be. Uh, but you have to watch it. You have to watch it. It's strange. Um... Steve, can I get this time machine that you've got? He said, at one point, I was far younger than you. Now I'm 40 very soon. Well, I don't know what you're saying. Are you casting aspersions on my age? I am coming up to a birthday, actually. Before you ask, no, it's not a big birthday. Just a normal birthday. And uh, it does occur on the 17th of March. I'm quite lucky, actually, because this year it's on a Sunday. Which means I can sit at home and cry into my porridge. Because I'm quite good. I mean, I shall do nothing different. You know, when you get 20, you know when you get past 32, you don't do the jelly ice cream and a magician anymore. You just do 
You just do normal things. You know, I shall just sort of, you know, accept people's cards and, you know, grateful thanks for years of public service and that's it. You just you just live to fight another day. You don't care. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't quite like birthdays. I'm not big into them. I like getting the cards. Don't get me wrong. I like getting cards. I like people saying happy birthday. I like people saying, you know, you don't look your age. <laughs> then they laugh. And that always upsets me a little bit. Um, I didn't see the old people's car on Top Gear. Featuring uh, Shackleton chairs. The adver- I do love some of the adverts. I absolutely love them. Eight four eight five zero. Stephen LBC. dot co. dot uk. And uh, there's a one here from uh, John who says your newsreader sounds very young. Well, compared to me, he is very young. So, uh, but he thinks he's what nearly thirty. No, he's not. No. But that's the whole idea, isn't it, about people who are, uh, who are newsreaders. You know, you have to... I mean, I, I read news for years on LB. I loved reading the news. I looked at it as a challenge. I thought it was absolutely fabulous. I thought it was wonderful. Stuff like that. Sorry? I could swap roles, actually. Or failing that, as we used to do at one time on the programme, we used to be able to read the news and do the programme. And that I liked doing as well. That was very good. Uh, so, Ian Highland. Uh, good column. Good start. Uh, too many things probably in it. Probably too many things in here. He says, uh, Dear ITV, now that Loose Women is sponsored by PG Tips, how inviting some of the chimps onto the panel? I guarantee they make more sense than th- Sherry Hewson. Um, <laughs> dear me. Uh, Piers Morgan's Life Stories. Uh, he says, Featured priceless footage of presenter Lorraine Kelly's early fashion crimes. He says, or as I like to call them, the Rose West years. Yes, I mean, I don't know, you know, Piers, Piers Morgan can't get decent guests for love nor money. I'm not saying there's anything the matter with, you know, somebody like Lorraine Kelly, but she's on the television every blooming day of the week. You know, plus pitches up on other things. Every time you turn on a, a television thing, you know, they go, oh, look, oh, here comes Lorraine Kelly. But she's on five days a week. If somebody's on five days a week, for God's sake, give us a rest on the other two days. And sometimes they're on twice a day. In the case of Ben Shepherd, I don't want to see any more of Ben Shepherd. But quite enough of him, thank you very much indeed. You know, OK, OK, but not, you know, not brilliant. Not brilliant. And Lorraine Kelly, you know, who cares what her thoughts are on this and that? She's an overpaid television presenter. She sits there. She's tough as old boots, as you've discovered in the past. You know, all this, oh, you're gorgeous, you're wonderful, you're my... It's, it's all an act. You know, nobody's that happy all the time. It's not physically possible. You know, most people snap. I remember watching the uh, vastly overweight and humongous... Um, oh, what's her name again? Oh, Vanessa Fats. And uh, she was on the... T- she went on the Celebrity Big Brother and then had her famous breakdown. Would Vanessa like to come to the dining room? No, I won't. She was a little bit Anne Whittacombe, a little bit vibrato, a little bit sort of, you know, unhappy with the size she is, but working on the assumption that, you know, if she, if she laughs at herself, not really, I think she cries, uh, then other people laugh as well. Sadly, we don't. Sadly, we're still pointing and going, yeah, still the fat bird who needs to eat a little bit more... At the salad bar. Uh, I didn't see The Chicken Shop, Steve, uh, on Channel 4. I didn't even watch any of it. I wish I had done, because the more I thought about it, the more I thought that could be quite interesting. But I've seen some of these late-night food places, and they're not, they're not the most pleasant, I'm afraid. Gail says, I'm so glad you're back. You make me laugh. Which is good. Uh, 84850. Um, somebody says here, uh, why do you turn TV work away? Um... Because I've, I'm not really, I don't need the money. People only do TV work if they've got sort of, you know, very small bottom parts and things like that. 
And we, yeah, I mean, we could sort of do a reality show here. You know, you could film me coming into work every morning, doing the programme, and then sort of having meetings. And in fact, it was so, you, you won't believe this. There is going to be, I'll have to tell you who it is. You can, you can guess during, during the break. They're going to do a show on stage where this person will talk about themselves and their glamorous lifestyle and tell you, you know, how fabulous everything all is. And apparently this person's got a huge following in the Pink Pound department. Who do you think is going to be doing a show, admittedly only at a very, very, very small theatre? They're not going to risk lots of empty seats, which there will be, of course. But this particular person is going to be telling you about their glamorous showbiz lifestyle and the rich and the famous, and it's just so exciting. Who can it be? Details after this. This is LBC 97.2. So who is this person who's going to go on stage, I think at the Arts Theatre, and they're going to tell you about their fabulous showbiz lifestyle and how marvellous they are, and, and you're all going to be really, really interested. And I'm thinking, I don't know. Who do you think this person is? Wait a minute. I'm going to have to find it very soon. Because when, when I read it, I did laugh, actually. I laughed quite a lot because I thought... You know, I mean, I just don't think anybody's going to be remotely interested. Come on. Who hasn't been in the news for a little while? But uh, they were always in the news and they always had big opinions of themselves. But in fact, they have no discernible talent. No, not Katie Price. No, no, no. No, I mean, she would fit into the category, but definitely not Katie Price. Definitely not Katie Price. No, even more, even more pathetically stupid than Katie Price. The person, no, not Chantel. Chantel can't string two words together. You know, Chantel's got no idea. No, the person who is going to be... Wait a minute, I'll give you a clue here. Uh, it's uh, This person is going to make their West End debut. It's no supporting role, but the main event. The show is called The Powder Room. It's in for a six-week run at the Arts Theatre in Covent Garden. Now, the Arts Theatre is very small. It probably holds, I think, about 200 people. And uh, it's the result of a collaboration between this person and an entertainment person who's very well known. And uh, it will look at this person's glamorous life and how she copes with the spotlight. It's only Nancy Delusional. The poor old bag, honestly. I mean, they say here... <laughs> She'll be inviting the audience to meet her dominating manager, her spiky personal assistant, and a filmmaker who's documenting her life. They say here, if the show takes off, it won't... Investors hope to transfer it to a larger West End theatre. I'm told it could be a cult hot ticket. She's got a massive following in the Pink Pound community. No, she doesn't. Okay, she doesn't. Let's not try and over egg the pudding here. This is some half baked old Italian bag who pitched up, who had an affair with Sven Goran Eriksson. He couldn't stand her and got rid of her. Then she thought she was something special and thought she was very sexy. Whereas compared to most Italian women, she's way down the pecking order. She's mad as a barrel load of mad things. You'd be no more interested than watching her on stage. Because, to be honest with you, it'd be like watching your father doing drag. It's going to be that bad. Transfer to a bigger theatre? I don't think so. If they were thinking of transferring to a bigger theatre, they'd have put it in straight away. What they're doing is testing the water. To say, it'll, I tell you, if this runs six weeks, it'll be a miracle. I suspect there will be a first night thing, but it's the Arts Theatre. It's literally over here in Great Newport Street. It's tiny. It's tiny, the theatre. In fact, I wouldn't book it for one of my shows. It's way too small. But, of course, I suppose for poor old Nancy Delusional, it's just absolutely right. I mean, perhaps you can have Sven there, Trevor Nunn, not. 
Yes, I see. An I, I don't see an ICW. The producer, can you believe it? Walking down the stairs, she goes, "Oh, when 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 Gemma Collins brings her book out, can we book her in for in conversation?" I went, "It's a no straight away." I wouldn't have Lydia Dimmin and her barking mad mother. I wouldn't have anybody, anybody from the Only Ways Essex. Not a cat in Hades chance of any of these people pitching up this week. You know, oh, that's very good. We'll record it, but we'll broadcast it. This week, we've got Olivia Newton-John. Can't wait to see it. I'm going to be sitting so close to Olivia Newton-John, we can probably do snogs. And Joe Wood, who's written that explosive autobiography. I mean, that is one hell... Have you, have you read the reviews? Oh, dear God. A life of drugs and freebasing and wild parties and sex. I mean, and that's just me. I don't know what she's doing. I've got no idea, but we'll find out when we uh, record the programme this week. I can't wait. I cannot wait. But to, to meet Olivia Newton-John is a bit of a... is a bit of a crush, actually. Because I used to watch Olivia Newton-John. We're going to have to talk about Greece. We're going to have to talk about those trousers. I got chills, they're multiplying. And I'm loose. Actually, the voice is definitely coming back a bit more. Just slightly throaty. I think it gives it a sexy edge. Do you think she'll think it's sexy? She'll probably end up with laryngitis, the poor soul. I'll, I shall get blamed, as per usual. Uh, David said, I'm 57 on the 1st of April. I've never felt better. 57, honestly. God, dear, I can't imagine what that must be like. 57. Mind you, I meet people at my shows, be they at the Magic Circle or be they at the, at the one-man shows, and I'm older than they are, but I think I look better. And I'm, I'm putting it all down to, well, especially over the last week, how much water I've drunk. I mean, I've seriously been drinking for the country. I've also cut down on the amount of uh, wine. Yesterday I did, in fact, uh, and also I'm, I'm eating lots of fruit and stuff like that. Yesterday I let myself down. I went out, because, you know, I'm, I'm a bit funny now about meat. I'm eating meat, but I'm trying to make sure it looks like the animal. I don't want to buy a horse. And I went to uh, Waitrose, and they've got lots of meat in, but they've got brisket of beef. And this was a piece of lamb. And I put it in my halogen oven, put it on a, on a, on a rack, and I had that. And then it just all fell off the bone. And I just had that by itself, and, and I ate it all. I felt a bit guilty, actually. I should have had some vegetables or something, but it was, it was quite delicious. Quite delicious. But I, I look at mince in the supermarket, and I think, is it definitely mince? You know, has he got something else in it? I don't know. The only thing I, I could guarantee is going to buy, you know, proper steak in a butcher's, proper farm shop, things like that, and then watching them mince it. That's the only way I could guarantee it, but I'm, I don't want to touch anything else. I'm not touching any ready meals at all. I know there's nothing the matter with it, and I'm the first one to say there's nothing the matter with eating horse. I just feel I'm being cheated by the supermarkets. To watch the and to read the adverts in the paper that uh, today they're from Tesco, like, oh, no, we're actually paying our farmers above the average for their milk and stuff. And I thought, yeah, but for years you weren't. It's no good telling us you're doing that now because the British public are losing faith in the supermarket. You don't believe a word they say, judging by your texts and emails. They don't, you know, they, they really don't look after you. And they go, oh, Tesco are going to be using all these farms in this country. They, oh, so for years you've been cheating us. Because you've been buying it abroad. You're buying in cheap, you know, cheap stuff. That's why. To make more money out of us. And finally, the British public, finally, God, you've been slow, have turned around and kicked them where it hurts. You know, I don't see people in supermarkets picking up ready meals. You know, because if it's got... Listen, i said before and I'll say it again, and I'll have to do it slowly because some people haven't quite grasped it. If it's got horse in it, I don't care. 
but reduce the price accordingly. Tell us it's got horse in it. Because I bet you, I guarantee you one thing, the British public won't touch it with a barge pole. I wouldn't touch any ready meal in this country at the moment. I certainly wouldn't touch them from the, uh, the lower end of the scale. I'm a bit dubious, even at the higher end. I'm very, 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 very sort of dubious about shepherd's pies and stuff like that. If you're going to do it, make it yourself. Go and buy a piece of meat, you know, mince it or cut it up or do a, you know, you can, you can do this stuff yourself. Students, of course, will eat any old crap. They don't care. They're not fussy. You know, students are like, oh, I'll eat that because it's cheap. Because it's cheap. The rest of us, I can afford to be a bit selective. But I did go through the shelves yesterday. Does that look like a piece of lamb? Yes. You know, because if it was going to be little ribs, if it was a horse, they'd be a lot bigger. Unless it was a Shetland pony or something like that. But, I mean, that, that's the only thing. I'm just being very, very careful. I'm just being very careful about it. And I'm trying to eat more vegetables, because I think vegetables are really good for you. And I don't want to preach, because there's nothing worse than turning on the radio. First thing in the morning, some poor bloke who's, you know, his voice is shot through and has been for about a week. Although, actually, the more you chat, the better it gets. And I've noticed on the programme this morning, less coughing. Less coffee. See, yesterday it was, it was getting... It was, it, we, were, we were borderline. I, I, when I got in, I lay down, and that made it worse. I was coughing for the country. Uh, today, not so bad. I did a, did a throat spray before I went to bed. Uh, had, a, had a nice night's sleep, actually. Really nice sleep. I mean, cold, though. I know they're saying 16 degrees today. And uh, the Queen had a... What do you think the Queen's doing today? Do you think she's having a nice piece of toast? Oh, I had three bits of toast yesterday. It was lovely. Three bits of toast, eh? But I might take up, you see, um, you see now, ready meal. Can I have a Thai green curry ready meal? And if so, where do I get it from? Do I get it from M&S? Or do I get it from Waitrose? I might try Waitrose Thai green curry with a bit of jasmine rice. It sounds gorgeous, doesn't it? If actually, it sounds even better than gorgeous. Uh, Steve, talking about your birthday, says Joe. I know what it's like getting past 30. Don't celebrate now, just cry into a glass. I shall send you a card as long as I don't get accused of stalking. If you're doing well, you might not be feeling great, but you haven't lost your sense of humour. No, in fact, if anything, it makes me more angry. You know, if, you, if you've got something that you, you're trying to fight your way through it, I can, I can get really, really angry about the whole thing, because I, I just get frustrated. I listen to everybody else talking, and I think, I want to sound like that. I want to go back to normal. And yesterday I spent all the time, because I hadn't spoken to my friend Helena for five days. Now, bearing in mind, we speak twice a day. Every day of the week, barring Christmas. So when this thing started the other week, I sent her a text saying, listen, I've got this, this thing, and uh, I'm trying to save my voice, so I'll catch you tomorrow. Then, of course, tomorrow came, and tomorrow it was bad. And then the next day came, and that day was bad as well. And so it went on, and you, you've all suffered with it. The whole country is stricken. Doctors' surgeries are overwhelmed by the amount of people going in there saying, I've got this, and they go, I know. You've all got it. It's doing the rounds. It's very, very infectious, and uh, you're just one of the unlucky ones. And so yesterday was the first... I, on Saturday, I sent her a text saying, I've got my show at the Magic Circle. I'm trying to save my voice. I'll give you a ring Sunday. Sunday, I couldn't ring her because my voice had sort of been shot through in the morning. So I went off for a walk. You know, I don't know what it is. You, unless you keep your mouth shut or you walk around with one of those face masks on, which, frankly, might be, might be quite a good option. And um, so yesterday I phoned her and I went, hello. And it was, it was in that borderline stage. And she went, oh, my God, she said, it sounds awful. I said, I know. I said, and this is actually one of the better bits. I said, well, I'm doing the programme. It's fine. It starts off a bit iffy. Then it gets better. 
I said, then it goes a bit iffy later on as my voice settles down. So by the time we got back to Twickenham yesterday, and it was cold. It was bright, but it was very cold. And all of a sudden, I'm sort of seeing Brian there. Everybody knows about his feet, though. Beverly, who works for the council, knows all about Brian. Everybody knows about Brian's feet, poor soul. I've told everybody about his toes being amputated. <laughs> so we've got no secrets around our way. It is, it is like Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood, I promise you. And so I spoke to her and she said, oh, it sounds awful. <coughs> There you go, the first cough. And um, and so she said, you need to rest your voice. I said, don't tell me. I said, I'm well aware of what I've got to do. So uh, we sort of left it at that. But on Good Friday, we're going to go out. She's got some friends up in town and things like that. And we're going to do the V&A Museum because they've got the David Bowie exhibition coming up. And that promises to be a real cracker. So she's going to spend the night in town with her friends. And then... She's going to uh, go with me. We can have breakfast after we finish the programme on the Friday. And then we're going to go and watch the David Bowie exhibition, which I'm really looking forward to. Tickets, I think, are on sale for that now. My advice would be to get hold of them, because they will go really, really quickly. Really, really quickly. Um, yesterday, myself and Lindsley, says Julie, went to the, the London studios to see a couple of the Alan Titchmarsh shows recorded live. It included Lisa Riley and Bill Wyman and the dreadful Louis Spence. The recorded show included Ollie Murs, who came across as lovely, also sang as well. She says, you're sounding better. I saw the Lisa Riley one the other day, and uh, I'm not a fan, I'm afraid. I'm not a fan of, of Lisa Riley, mainly because somebody wrote a thing and said, listen, don't be fooled by this big, jolly, fat person underneath as a, you know, somebody who, who can be quite vicious and bitter. I thought, well, I don't know anybody like that at all. I'm in the world of show business. It's all lollipops and pink ice cream, as far as I'm concerned. Everybody loves everybody. We all embrace, you know, and we do group hugs in the morning. And we, we don't actually kiss or nothing like that. But, you know, we, we just, we admire what we do for a living. You know, we admire people's talent. Might change the colour of the studio, actually. There you go, blue. There you go. Ice cold. For what reason, I can't imagine. News at five is coming up very shortly. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. And you are very welcome. Firing on all cylinders this morning. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, somebody says, uh, Steve, how much of a fool did I feel texting you on Sunday morning? It was the best of clips. I get that quite a lot, actually. I get that quite a lot from people saying, uh, morning, Steve. And I, I feel like sort of writing back to everybody going, by the way, we are pre-recorded on a Sunday morning for the best of Steve Allen. Between five and six and then between six and seven, it's in conversation and uh, this week... Now, I don't know who it could be. We have a choice this week because we'll have uh, three in the cam. We'll do Joe Wood, Olivia Newton-John. Can't wait for that one. And we have Trisha. Very, very good chat. Very, very good chat with Trisha, who now, of course, is big over the pond, and they're showing her American shows on Channel 5 on a daily basis. So, uh, so that's why. So that's why you feel a bit of a fool texting us when uh, we're not live. Uh, Jave says, it's nice to hear you give it to all those ones in show business. Well, actually, you know, um, you know, it's, 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 it's the truth of the matter is that because so many people are listening at this time of the morning, you know, in London, it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic because, you know, we look at the audience figures and I go, Do you know, nothing comes anywhere near us. You know, if you want to hear some soporific little sort of wimp, you know, presenting music, well, then that's fine. Go and listen to that. But, uh, but unfortunately, 
you'd choose not to. I say unfortunately, because I feel embarrassed taking most of the audience. In fact, I take all of the audience. You know, we, we sort of share it out, but I get the lion's share. So thank you very much indeed for that one. I'm very grateful. And that's why I get contract year after year after year, because it's your loyalty that uh, works out very well indeed. So uh, thank you very much indeed for that one. Uh, a lot of people talking about... What they were talking about earlier on? They were doing the... Uh, the disabled badges. Don't get me going on the disabled badges again. It's been a rant of mine for, for years and years and years. Chris says, what do you think about Bobby from The Only Way's Essex becoming a father? It'll never happen. The police will intervene straight away. I mean, the man's an idiot. He's got no money. You know, I mean, how stupid you become. You know, the only gay in the village, because we've thankfully got rid of the other one. And, uh, and all of a sudden, people are saying, oh, he, he, he can sort of adopt children. And I'm thinking, oh, dear God in heaven. I mean, that just would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? The ultimate thing. The ultimate thing. Uh, somebody, we, I think we might have found... Oh no, so I thought we'd found somebody who was a Nancy Delusional fan, and then it turns out they weren't a Nancy Delusional fan. Somebody said that they couldn't actually fill six days in a theatre, let alone six weeks. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. Whereas I can sell out the Fairfield Halls in Croydon like that. Two days we sold out. 1,800 seats. Very, very easy. Very easy to do. Mermaid Theatre, we sold out very, very easily. Uh, the Queen's Theatre, we've done the Beckett Hayes. We've done all the theatres. Been out to Radlett, done the theatre out there. But uh, Nancy Delusional, you know, not obviously as big as she thought she was. I love this idea that they're sort of testing the water. I suspect it will close due to lack of interest. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if she manages a week. That's how confident I am of the, uh, of the, British, of the British public and the, and the psyche. Uh, 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. Jonathan says, your show is very addictive. That's the whole idea. That's why we want people listening day after day. As I say, I mean, I love it. Day after day after day. I get, you know, people listening across... Not just in London. People come from all over the place. All over the place. Even up north. Even up north. It's as simple as that. Um, have you noticed that one here? Uh, the ready meal section is empty. Says Sharon. She says, you cry about being 30-something. I was 55 on Saturday. I looked in the mirror and my mum was staring back at me. Oh, no. That's awful, isn't it? That is awful. You know, they always say you turn into the people your parents warned you about. And that's how bad it is, I'm afraid. <laughs> so that's why. But I'd love to find you. You're not eating the ready meals, are you? Most of you, I should imagine, probably can cook. Having, having met... You know, many, 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 many of you over the years. I'm assuming that you can cook and you don't buy the ready meals. I don't think it's. I don't think you're a ready meal audience, as they say. British Les Miserables star Samantha Box is secretly dating a daytime TV presenter. This is uh, Matt Johnson. Oh, he's a presenter, is he? I had no idea. In fact, he's the one who pitches up on this morning. This is where they go to the little room and they go. So tell us, Matt. You know, what have you done here? He was the one who failed on Channel Five. We heard she's dating Russell Crowe. Well, who is she dating, for goodness sake? I mean, how many people is she dating, this woman? She's only 22, so quite clearly she's got a new agent. Apparently, a pal for Matt said they have been dating. They're trying to keep it quiet. Yeah, right. People on television trying to keep it quiet. Don't make me laugh. Although I tell you what, the stupidest person in the entire world, Helen Flanagan, Miss Dimbo, I mean, really, you know, thick... And then an embarrassment. Lived in face squatters. You know, that stupid. She needs a help crossing the road. She says she can't believe the allegations about Michael Lavelle. Helen, 
Zip it, dear. It's so much easier. You make yourself sound even more stupid. Mind you, you're in good company. Your boyfriend must really think you're class, which is good. So as long as it keeps you off the market, we'll all be very, very happy. Uh, on the subject of Nancy Delusional, somebody else, Trevor, saying, six weeks for the life, she'll struggle to sell out six days. Yeah, I, I am with you on that one. I am with you on that one. I mean, listen, she's uh, presumably the reason she's not been out hawking her sad old carcass around anywhere is because she's trying to rehearse for a show. Because I think they've run out of ideas for her. People tend to avoid her. You go to a party and Nancy Delusional's there, you're out the door very quickly because it's quite clearly low rent. You know, Italian lawyer, but doesn't live in Italy. Doesn't seem to have any work in Italy. In fact, doesn't actually seem to have any work apart from let's try and find another old man who we can hang around with. And that's how she... Uh, it sort of makes her way in the pages of the uh, the newspapers, which is uh, which is a little bit sad, really. Eight four eight five zero Stephen LBC dot co dot uk. Steve, why don't you go and see an expert, like most singers do, as your voice is your living and very important. La 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 la. I know. The good news is that, that the cough has definitely got better. I mean, the other day I was having a, a violent coughing fit. Now, whether or not it's because if you're using your voice. It's OK. The moment you stop it, then it, it reverts back to it again. So it, it should be better. Uh, the last recording of Vicious tomorrow at the London studios being aired April 21st. Can't wait to hear your comments. I think you will like it, says Jonathan. I can't wait. Is this the one I... I'm, I'm not sure what this one's about. I've got a rough... Is this two guys? Is it the two guys one? You might have to tell me on that one. Uh, sounding a little bit Mariella. A bit Mariella. Mariella for... Hello. Mariella Frostrup. Thank you. Andy's on the 65 bus from Ealing to Surbiton. Is that our Andy? Is that, no, he must be here by now, mustn't he? It's not our Andy, surely. Oh, Andy's not working this week. Sometimes he just sits on a bus, though, for the fun of it, doesn't he? A 65 bus. I like that idea. Bless their little hearts. Uh, another one here in the, uh, the paper today. Tesco have snapped up two senior execs from Facebook and Sainsbury's as it bids to replace Amazon as the world's top internet retailer. I don't think so. I'm sorry, I would always go with Amazon every time. I don't want to go with Tesco's. I don't know why, I just... I don't feel I can trust them. I don't feel, you know, in, in the great scale of things, that I'm going to be a Tesco fan. I don't know why. I went off Marks and Spencer's, as you know, mainly because we had that blooming debacle on the Sunday morning with the newspapers, which were wrongly priced, and that went for God knows how long, and uh, still not properly done. But the staff have all been told, of course, so say Marks and Spencers, to uh, what, 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 yes, look out for him. He comes in on a Sunday morning just so he can find out. And in fact, somebody wrote from their head office, which is at Chester. You think they'd be in London, but apparently not. And uh, says, uh, thank you with the information. This is from Mike Thompson, who's executive office, which is obviously quite, that's a big pool of people, I should imagine. And he says, I've been able to call through to our management team at Twickenham. They seem to change on a weekly basis, Mike, I have to tell you. I've been advised that while this, while this was a problem, with occasional pricing errors occurring, it was every week, Mike. It was every, not occasional, it was every week. The Sun, the Star on Sunday and the Express. Every single week for months. He says, this should now have been resolved with staff checking the newspaper price to ensure it goes through the till correctly and customers are not overcharged. Do you know, I'm so tempted to try it this week. I'm so tempted. I have to try it this week now, don't I? He has thrown down the gauntlet. And the gauntlet is... Let's see whether they've managed to get it right. Let's see whether the staff know on a Sunday. I tell you the other day... I have to tell you this now because I feel a bit... Oh, I'm late. Am I late? No, I'm not late. Um, um, 
I went in the other day and I bought two items. And I should have got back £7, 4 pence change. But I didn't check it at the till. I walked out the store thinking, hmm, that seemed... As I checked the thing and looked at the change, I was a pound short. Now, you know, I woke on the assumption, my fault, should have checked it at the till and gone... Because they've, they've done it before. You know, you've given me a 20 pence piece, that should be a pound. And, uh, you know, because sometimes people put things in the wrong till. So that their, their till would have been up for that day. It would have been up because they shortchanged me. It, it wouldn't have matched the till roll. But I'd walked up the road and as I'm counting, I thought, can I go back in and go, listen, you shortchanged me by a pound, or do I ignore it? And the answer is, I ignored it. Because I'm going to walk in there and go, listen, you shortchanged me. And they're going to look and go, you're just trying it on. Because I look like a poor person. I look like the sort of person who's going to try something like that on. But I, I wouldn't. I don't tell lies. I'm not like some people who go into shops. I'm always very, very honest. You know, if ever somebody undercharges me, I'm the first one to say, thank you, have a nice day, goodbye. I walk straight out the door. No, I don't. I'm very honest. I'm very, very honest about things. I, I, cannot, I can only be honest. I was brought up to be honest. Some of you listening might be compulsive liars, but, uh, but that's government ministers for you. Uh, or failing that to people on daybreak by telling you that they really, really, really like you and they really, really value you as an audience because you're, you're dwindling. You're dwindling. Not on this programme. Not dwindling on this programme. Um, <laughs> the Alan Titchmarsh Show. Great line here from Ali Ross. He says, can we turn Claire Richards into a Michelin? Yes, we can. Tire. <laughs> he seems to like the fat birds, I've noticed, and yet I've met uh, Alan's wife. She's quite slim, you know. She's very... In fact, I sat next to her for a dinner once. Sat next to her for a dinner once. We had a great chat about all sorts of exciting things. I like Alan Titchmarsh. He's, he's, ve- he's very natural. Very, very natural. And I love Ali Jones. Love Ali Jones. We had a very good in-conversation with him some years ago. But there's something about Daybreak. It's just... It just doesn't... I don't know, it just doesn't gel. And you know when you watch a TV programme, like the Adrian Charles, like the Christine Bleakley, it's no good being false and sitting there doing the smiley, smiley, Carol, smiley bit. You've got to be genuine. If you're not genuine, the public go click. For this programme, it's click on. Quarter past five. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Ealing Council has halted plans to downgrade four A&E... BC 97.3. And this morning with Nick Ferraris, it's revealed, the government reveals they are seeking... I keep using the word revealed, it's driving me mad now. Uh, They want to give local people priority for council houses, which is a good idea. Nick will want to know whether it'll work. Plus, after a psychiatric patient is sentenced to 37 years for decapitating a woman in the street, Nick will want to know how many more people with mental health issues are slipping through the net. And how would you feel about London police wearing high-visibility yellow jackets as part of their standard uniform? Looking at the papers today, columnist for The Guardian in the studio, Zoe Williams. I thought that the London police did wear high-vis jackets. Or was it just, is it just my imagination that I keep thinking? I'll tell you what they do every morning. Oh, so happy. So, 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 so happy yesterday. I've seen it about four times now. And, and it does determine which bus stop I use. Yes, I get the bus. And, um... And I was coming out, and it's a policeman who stands on the corner opposite the Garrick Theatre, just, just round this, uh, hidden behind a tree. Which is quite sweet, actually, because it's not that easy to hide a police bike and the policeman behind the tree. But anyway, he seems to manage it. And, uh, and what is he doing? He's stopping cyclists on the pavement. And he's issuing them with £50 fines. Brilliant! Brilliant! I couldn't be happier. I'm sick to death of cyclists on the pavements. If I had my way, I'd be sticking walking sticks through their spokes. Blooming dangers, they are. Blooming dangers. Uh, young Dan... He says, good to hear you back on the radio. He says, I've just heard you mention the Route 65. 
I've been out on them tonight, and I'm currently sitting at Ealing before my last trip back to Kingston. I finish at 6.15. Not that long, kiddo. Not that long. Just under the hour. Just It'll go really fast. It'll go really, really fast. In fact, I'd love to drive a bus. I've said that before, actually. I've, I've, uh, I've often sort of watched people drive, or a coach. Probably a bus more, actually. I think I could be quite a good bus driver. No, we're not stopping for you. What do you mean? Well, it's your fault you didn't ring the bell. I'd be quite bolshy, actually. <laughs> Kevin the Milkman. Morning, Kevin. And his legs. He says, Nancy, delusional, will struggle to sell six seats. He said, get that throat looked at. I had a persistent cough four years ago and ended up having a small nodule taken off my vocal cords. Small op, no problem since. I was worried about losing my voice. A mute salesman, not that much use. <laughs> I like that idea. Yes, vicious tomorrow at London. Uh, Sirs Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi, a sniping, jaded couple. Been together 48 years, says Jonathan. Francis de la Tour is a friend. Uh, good guest cameos each week. Cross between Till Death Us Do Part, Rising Damp and Golden Girls. Sounds like a winning combination, doesn't it, really? Uh, don't forget your loyal listener in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Thank you. And Karen says, our local Tesco staff are not at all customer-focused. Well, actually, strangely enough... That is what Frankie Boyle wrote in his column. He said, you know, Tesco have done all this thing, he said. In my local one, I was standing there waiting to be served, and somebody went, go to the self-service tills, we're busy. He said, so, obviously Tesco haven't filtered down this, letting the staff be nice to the customers. But says here, on Sunday, my husband bought a few items in this particular store. Not surprisingly, the boy on the till wasn't taking any notice and carried on talking to a colleague of his. Biz, big mistake. He gave my husband a £5 note, too much in his change, Happy days, we thought, says Karen. Karen. It's naughty. I know. I mean, I had one the other day in Waitrose, and he was scanning, but he wasn't, he wasn't looking at the... He was just running over the thing and staring into the distance. I thought, really, you know, if you'd, if you'd worked harder at school, you could be doing something different. I can understand women on the tills, but, you know, when you get young guys on the tills, you think, no, 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 no. Natasha in Ilford. You need to gargle with warm salt water and swallow a tiny bit as well for your throat. Er... Uh, uh, don't the people in the studio worry that you will pass on your sore throat to them? Natasha, I couldn't care less. I couldn't... They, they could die as far as I... I'm not remotely bothered about them. Why would I worry about their health? There's nobody in the studio. I'm the only one in here. There's nobody else in the studio with me. I'm in... Hello! Look, an empty room. Hello? Hello? hello. Yeah. You know, there's, I'm all by myself. All by myself. Uh, Steve, for London at this time, you are top of your game. Rage R confirmed. Oh, Absolutely. I'm absolutely top of my game. There is no other programme at this time of the morning that is, is pulling the audience, which is nice, actually. Uh, didn't the turmeric and honey do the trick, says Chris? Yes. Do you know what I've, I've done? I've lost the turmeric. I need to go and buy some more turmeric today, so I shall, I shall probably do that. Uh, Stuart says it's nice for you to turn up today. I'm a Waitrose partner. Thai curry, rice, cold white wine down the same aisle. It's just the best. I know. <laughs> And one who says, uh, any plans of coming back to the Fairfield Halls? I live two minutes from there, and I would love to see your show. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Diana says, I, I love listening to you. You sound so much better. It does sound better today, doesn't it? I think it sounds a bit better. A little bit better. So hopefully by, by tomorrow. She says, I had no intention of waking up at 4.30. I have a dentist appointment today, and I'm hoping I don't fall back to sleep again and make myself late. I'm hoping to have the problem that sadly kept free me from seeing you on Saturday. Sorted. Ugh. The pain I had that day and on Friday was in, in, in danger of developing a taste of oil of cloves, a brilliant pain reliever with a disgusting taste. Oh, dear. Uh, 84850. 
Oh, Andy, yes, I know. Yes. He says, uh, on my way to Hersham. Uh, no news on the other thing, Andy, but uh, Hersham in Surrey. Yes, I remember. I remember it well. Uh, Neil, he says, uh, it was a great evening last night at the Magic Circle. He says, uh, for the close-up magic competition, I assume it'd be for members only. He says, you should really do your bush trick at the next show. <laughs> oh, he said, I've got a very nice photo of our Kevin, myself and some bloke that we bumped into. It's a great photo. He says, when you get shortchanged, I didn't realise that you shopped in Joey Essex's shop. <laughs> God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, Rob says, I was smiling at your recall of being shortchanged and being charged the wrong amount in supermarkets. A few years back, there was a stand-in person at my local newsagents. I bought something, gave him a fiver. He gave me change from a 50. Wow. Well, you honest and gave it back. Did you give it back? Or did you go, I'm going to walk out of the shop. I'm going to... I wonder if they've noticed me. But uh, he said, I said nothing at all, smiled and said, thank you very much. Was that bad of me? It is. It is real. I mean, I, I wouldn't have done that. I seriously wouldn't have done that. I actually would have been very, very, very honest. You have to. I mean, I, I couldn't live with myself in case somebody went. I think you've just stolen that money. I couldn't. I couldn't cope with that at all. Uh, guy says sharp as nails. Thank you. I like the idea of being sharp as nails. I'm not sure where that comes from. <coughs> and um, uh, Bob says, why are the O2 apologising? Did they lock him in his dressing room? This is Justin Bieber, who was two hours late going on... St- I'd have walked out. I'd have walked out, I'm afraid. There's no excuse for being two hours late. Do we know what the reason was why he was two hours late? Was he having, you know, was he having one of his tantrums or some, something, or was having a little bit of a queenie fit in the dressing room? I'm not going out there, but hair looks wrong. Uh, nice to see that the girls allowed uh, tour is finished. Thank God for that. Never again, please darken our doors. And so they had a party. The only person who didn't join them was, was poor Cheryl. Cheryl was at home drinking Lemsip. That's an excuse for saying she didn't want to hang around with these people ever again. And so their bar bill was £9,600. So Kimberly, Nicola, Nadine and Sarah uh, all went off there. And uh, they hired a VIP room and ploughed through more than 50 bottles of booze. Don't be so ridiculous. Of course they didn't. There's four of them. You really, th- really think that four girls got through 24 bottles of vodka, 24 bottles of rum and four magnums of champagne. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I wouldn't trust Sarah Harding anywhere near any alcohol at all. She's bad enough when she's sober, let alone when she's had a few drinks. Uh, also in the uh, papers today... Do you know what the latest craze is? I don't know if you've seen it. It's called the Harlem Shake. And they seem to do it all over the place. People do it, you know, on aeroplanes. There's some teacher in Australia has just been suspended because he was doing the Harlem Shake in the classroom. And they went, no, we're not having that. No, 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 no. That's, that's way out of order. It's like doing the Macarena. I've seen people doing it on planes. That looked highly dangerous. I wouldn't want to be in a plane where everybody got up and started doing the Harlem Shake. Sorry, there's one. People have done it here. In this building? Oh, they haven't. Who's done it? Are people, what, famous people? Oh, there's not a video, is there? What, are people doing the Harlem Shake in here? What, presenters? Tell me it's not presenters. It's not LBC, is it? Oh, thank God for that. Way too old at LBC to be doing things like the Harlem Shake. And most of the people who work for LBC have got no sense of rhythm whatsoever. People can't dance. So you do the Harlem Shake? The Harlem doesn't shake. Your Harlem doesn't, well, it hasn't shaken for years, has it? Not through lack of trying. But, I mean, I didn't even know what it was until I watched it on the... On the internet. Where are they doing it? In reception? Oh, in the... Oh, in the... the, Really? Dear, honestly. How tacky. 
How tacky. I don't want to see anything like that happening on the Nick Ferrari show. Oh, by the way, if your name is Tim, it's an uncool name. And uh, it's grim being Tim. And guess who they've asked about it? Timmy Mallet. I thought he was dead. I had no idea he was still alive. Apparently, he's... Uh, I remember seeing Tim, Timmy Mallet some years ago, and I think they did him on a Knowles gotcha, where they had him in the back of a car, and he walks around with his mallet in a bag. You know, he used to do this, bang kids on the head. And it, it was great at the time, but Timmy Mallet must be about 65 by now. He can't still be doing the same act, can it? I suppose he could be. So there's always a market. Once uh, a children's entertainer, I suppose, always a children's entertainer. But it does seem quite funny, because I like Tim Vine. Tim Vine, very funny. I love his one-liners. Some of them are just so, so clever. And you think, I wish I'd thought of that. I wish I'd thought of that one. But, of course, I'm never that. Never that clever, I'm afraid. So, Tim is the most uncool name at the moment. So, apologies if you're called Tim. But uh, I'm afraid you're out the loop. OK? It's LBC 97.3. It's Tuesday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And the time now is 5.30. Morning, 27 minutes to six. Tuesday morning. Nice picture of... Oh, I'll tell you what I saw the other day. I just going to say, nice picture of Boris Johnson in the paper. It is a, a good picture of uh, Boris Johnson, who is, um, you know, trying to boost Britain's Olympic legacy, which is, you know, it's something... I mean, we were so good at it. We were so good at it. Oh, dear me, I loved it. I loved it. I never thought I'd say that. Uh, Brian McFadden. Um, it's been nine years since he was with Westlife, and he says, I'd love to get back with the boys again. Uh, they don't want you anywhere near them, I'm afraid, love. Sorry to tell you that. They told me that quite categorically uh, for an in-conversation. But I said, would you want Brian back? No. No, they wouldn't. And uh, and also, Westlife have closed anyway. They've uh, they finished. They did their farewell show. Nobody's told, obviously, Brian. Not the brightest penny in the box. And uh, then uh, then they've asked him how his relationship is with Kerry Coke-Toner. You know, Brian was always the fat one, the one who was least talented in the group. And he goes off to Australia and he says, uh, you know, he asked, they ask him about his relationship with Kerry Katona. Do you have any relationship? No, I don't. The trouble is that's why she's lonely. I've said before, she's a very, very sad person. But uh, he says, I'd love to do something with the boys again and probably one day we will. No, they won't. No, they won't. They're not remotely interested in you. It's like Jerry Halliwell, who walked out on the Spice Girls, the least talented of the Spice Girls, but the one who garnered the most publicity. And then you look at what Jerry Halliwell looked like in the Spice Girls, all feisty, and she was this and that. And then you watch this meek little creature on the television now. It's a, a shadow of her former self. I thought she'd actually get, you know, more uh, more feisty. She got a bit older, but it, it doesn't seem to have worked that way. A bit of a shame, I'm afraid. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Steve at lbc.co.uk. A lot of people recommending things for the uh, for the throat. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, it's not a cold, by the way. I don't have a cold. Uh, what I have is I have a, a sort of a sore throat, but it is it is getting better. Uh, Neil says, you lucky boy, meeting Olivia Neutron Bomb. He said, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. You sure I can't come down and make the tea? He says, uh, I'm very pleased you're sounding better, but singing... What have we done to deserve that? I just thought you sounded like the record. The Arthur Mullard and Nelly Pledge version. I've got chills, they're multiplying. <laughs> Actually, do you think I could manage a whole interview with Olivia Newton-John without mentioning Greece? No, you can't really, can you? you? You have to mention it. You have to mention it. And I'm looking forward to it. I just want to see what she looks like in the flesh, because I've met, you know, loads of celebrities over the years. And having seen her the other day in the paper, I thought she looked amazing. Not as good as me. 
But she looked good. She's probably just as excited. I'm like meeting Steve Allen. Woo, 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 woo. Um, the 50... They've done this again. The 50 greatest films of all time again from Barry Norman. Or is this a recycle from ages ago? Because we had the, uh, the list of films, didn't we? Uh, Barry Norman's 50 greatest films... He's, at least he's got the uh, the Red Shoes, the Railway Children, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Actually, I'm currently enjoying uh, Michael Palin going around the world in 80 days again. They're repeating that. I did buy it on DVD. Very good, actually. And then I saw a picture of the paper today of Justin Bieber. No excuse, incidentally, for the two hours late. No reason given, just two hours late on stage. You can imagine how furious people must have been. Didn't go on stage till half past ten. You know, the time where you're just about getting ready to go and get your taxis home. I'd have been absolutely... Ap- I'd have demanded my money back. I'd have been apoplectic. How rude. How offensive. How amateurish. To actually turn up late on stage. You're not that big, son. You're not that big. How what a way to treat your fans. Ghastly. Dreadful. It's so awful. It'd be like me coming on air in the morning and going, um, well, you know, Steve would have been here at four o'clock, but sadly today, he's not going to make it at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's just really awful... You know, there'd be quite a lot of young girls, I would have thought, who would go to see a Justin Bieber concert. They're not, you know, they're not people our age, the 35s, pluses. Uh, it would be sort of, you know, some very young people who'd be screaming and getting excited. And then they'll be sort of thinking, you know, mm, how much time? After the first 15 minutes went by when it was late, and then half an hour, and then three quarters of an hour, then an hour, and then you're into the next hour, I would have lost the will to live. I would have left the arena, I'm afraid. I'm not hanging around to see some midget boy on stage poncing around, you know, making us wait, having paid serious money. Dreadful. Uh, 84850. Uh, Steve, 20 years ago, I remember ordering a cheap microwave oven at the Naffy store in Germany. I went home with a top-brand expensive model. You see, I've I've come to the conclusion, actually, uh, you know, (laughs) whether or not, whether or not, you know, it's... uh, it's, it's, it's honesty. We're obviously not as honest as I thought we were. Are you old enough to remember Bob Newhart, the bus driver, says Ron? I'm old enough to remember Bob Newhart, yes. I can remember the tobacco, the driving instructor, the bus driver. Do I remember the bus driver? I might not, actually. I might not. I wonder if Nancy will mention Sven trying to get her out of the flat. Oh, well, I'll put it away. Who cares? Who cares? I'm, I'm really not remotely bothered. This is Nancy Delusional who's apparently doing a one-woman show on stage. And she's going to be in for six weeks to a theatre, the Arts Theatre. It's, you know, frankly, you might as well hold it in a phone box at the end of the M4. That's how much interest there will be generated by this. I can't imagine anybody... I mean, you know everything about her dreary life. It's been in all the papers. Nancy finds other old man, shacks up with, you know, and, uh, and then goes to court over this flat. I never knew what the outcome of the flat was. I wonder whether or not... You know, it should be one of those things that should be in the public domain. Well, I hope so, anyway. I hope so. Uh, 84850, steve at Another one here. This is from uh, uh, Gail. Uh, it's uh, No, we always get it right, Gail. Don't be a silly little girl. Don't be a silly little girl. We always give it right. It's 84850, OK? If you can't hear that, it's your fault. Get them cleaned out. You can, get, you can go to the hospital and get it all sorted out now, OK? Don't be silly. Don't be a little pedant. Otherwise, it makes you sound stupid. And, uh, nobody wants to sound stupid at this time of the morning. Cycling tickets are 30 quid, says David, worth every penny. 50 they're doing here. They're doing 50. It's centre London. And he's issuing 50. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm almost recommending which ones he goes for. Get that one. Get that one. There's one every morning. 
And uh, you always think to yourself, go on, get him, get him. Dreadful people. Uh, Express for you today, they've got uh, a real-life Batman delivering a crime-fighting kapow when he dragged a wanted suspect into a police station and told stunned officers, he's all yours. The caped crusader collar Daniel Frayne, who police have been hunting over a series of offences in Gotham City, or rather Bradford. So they found him and dragged him into the police station. Love it. I love all these people. I love it. Oh, dieting. Nobody likes dieting. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who enjoys dieting. You know, there's loads of programmes on the television. This is how you lose weight. It's all rubbish. It's all rubbish. You're never going to lose weight that way. You're always going to... You know, if you want to, if you want to do it little and often... I tend to find, actually, over the last few days, I've not been eating as much as I would normally and drinking lots of water. And I think water is really good. I'm uh, now a big, big fan of water. Big, big fan of fruit. I'm eating lots of fruit, lots of vegetables. In fact, actually, to be honest with you, I'm actually eating really well since I've sort of had the, uh, the throatiness. And it does go in fits and starts. It's an awful lot better today than it was yesterday, and then tomorrow will be a lot better. And then hopefully by the time we get to Thursday, we might, with a bit of luck and God willing and the wind in the right direction, actually be uh, sort of back to normal. But they say dieting to boost heart health does work, but only when you're young. Because sadly, and you're the same, we only start doing it when we get a bit older, don't we? We start going, now we've got... Because when you're young, why would you bother about dieting? Unless you're one of these lardy people who sort of eats kebabs at an early age. I mean, I've seen children on the television because nobody goes outside. The only time they go outside is this Manchester programme where you get the kids on the bikes up and down outside and stuff like that. And that's, that's quite good. That's exercise. We, we did that when we were younger. Nowadays, people don't do it. Foreign drivers have been ordered to take tests in English. I'm sorry, I was a bit, I was a bit bad the other day. Tell me if you think this is wrong. I was in Kingston on Friday... Friday or Saturday. And anyway, we have a certain area where the disabled park and they sort of line up by the sports shop. Some people appear to be not as disabled as others, but nevertheless, they've got disabled stickers, OK? And we'll err on the side of caution and say that they're all genuine. But uh, pulling into this little square, which is very near the marketplace in Kingston, was this group of French boys in a car. They obviously thought, oh, it's a great place to park. So they've got their little Citroen, and it's got French plates on it. And they pulled in, reversed backwards and forwards, and they got out, all smoking away and sort of chatting away in French. And I thought, that's good. And I wanted to say to her, because they, they, they looked at the, uh, at the post, which was the parking thing, and of course it didn't say anything on there, that they would either understand or interpret as being only for disabled drivers. Now, what I should have done is told them it's only for disabled drivers, and they would get a ticket. But I didn't. Was that wrong of me? Should I have actually said to them, uh, uh, excusez-moi, uh, this car no park here? But I didn't say anything. I just sort of stood there praying that a traffic warden would come around the corner and give them a parking ticket. Was that wrong? Was that wrong of me later? Yes, it was wrong, of course. I mean, I should have said something, but I thought, no, nah, blow it. I couldn't care less, really. It's quite nice to get some young French uh, people and to get a ticket on their car. But whether or not they follow up tickets on cars, I don't know. <coughs> I'm not, uh, <coughs> excuse me, too sure whether or not, if you're driving a car with foreign plates, whether or not, if the, if the traffic warden gives you a ticket, whether or not we pursue somebody overseas, because all they're going to do is get, well, I'm not, unless we stop them at the ports and go, you're not getting on the ferry till you paid the parking ticket. Do they have that sort of power at the ports? It would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Because otherwise, I'm going abroad to buy a foreign car, 
and I'm going to drive around with foreign plates all the time because it's a way of, of not having to pay any parking tickets. But they're now saying foreign learner drivers face a ban on taking the test in their own language after nearly 140,000 people used an interpreter or recorded voiceovers last year. What a bunch of swindlers. What a bunch of swindlers. Apparently, last year, 24,000 tests taken in Urdu, 12,500 in Polish and 8,900 in Turkish. Oh, for goodness sake. I mean, what a swizz. What is the point? Learner drivers who need an interpreter pay the £100 test cost but can use a member of their own family to guide them through the practical exam which have led to fears of fraud. Well, absolutely, of course it's fraudulent. Of course, you know, what's the point? You're taking a test in this country. You're doing it in English, love, not in Urdu. You're doing it in English. What's up? Otherwise, you don't understand anything. That's just ludicrous. I've never anything like it in my entire life. So uh, I think now we'll take the test in English. If you can't speak English, you're certainly not getting behind the wheel of a car, all right? Simple as that. How stupid. Quarter to six. <laughs> These headlines with Sam Pittis. Ealing Council's halted plans to downgrade 4A and E Morning, 12 minutes to, uh, to six. The more I read about the, uh, the, uh, the story going on of Vicky Price in the, uh, in the courts, the more, the more bizarre it seems to me. I watch with great interest the outcome of this particular case. I'm also equally intrigued of the, uh, the story of Keith O'Brien, the Catholic cardinal, who's admitted sexual impropriety and his standards, he says, may have dropped over the years... And, of course, we've had people going, oh, it's dreadful, it's such a shame that his name has been sullied. And you're like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Nick Freeman, one of the uh, the country's top lawyers, he's known as uh, the one who gets all the, the footballers off their things because he finds loopholes and everything else, apparently has lodged an official complaint. And he's acted after hearing the church planning to launch its own internal investigation. I think that uh, the cardinal is going to be summoned to Rome... Not that I think the Catholic Church do anything about things like this. They're so embarrassed by the whole thing, it just gets worse and worse. And so Nick Freeman has lodged a complaint, and he said, I want a full criminal investigation. I was shocked to hear there is to be an internal investigation only. It'll be heard behind closed doors, and the full findings will not be published. Again, a cover-up by the Catholic Church. They do it all the time. We've seen it time and time and time again. They cannot, they cannot not admit to the fact that there are paedophile priests operating within the Catholic Church. I'm quite sure there are paedophile priests operating within many, many churches. But in the case of Cardinal O'Brien, who has now stood down and retired, and doesn't want anybody to do, I love the way he just went, I'm out of the country now, I don't want to discuss it. You think, well, you're going to. You're going to because, you know, people are going to demand it. If you think the Catholic Church are going to brush this one under the carpet, you've got another thing coming, I'm afraid. Which is rather a shame. Uh, <coughs> he says he's sorry that his conduct fell below the standards expected of him. In the 30-year sexual history of the UK's erstwhile most senior Catholic cleric, famously a virulent critic of gay adoption, gay marriage, and of all things pertaining to same-sex relationships, proof that bile-ridden homophobes often turn out to be gay themselves, writes one columnist in the paper today. Um, oh, by the way, bad news. Chips are going up in price. And the reason is... Um, the potatoes have been washed away. So we've had dreadful weather, and of course we can't do anything undercover now, so the bad weather means that potatoes are going up in price, which means that, you know, greengrocers are probably thrilled. Not. I'll tell you what's really expensive at the moment. Rhubarb. Rhubarb is very, very expensive at the moment. The reason being, it's forced. 
They have to force it by candlelight. And then once they've actually got it up, and so the prices, I've seen people buying it in the shops and he goes, it's £12 a kilo or whatever it is. It's terribly, terribly expensive. And so people are going, how much? They go, yeah, because it's forced. When it's, when it's in full abundance later in the year, at the moment you can buy strawberries. It's all it. Blueberries are very cheap at the moment. Very good for you. Very, very good for you. Uh, also, I noticed Tamara Eccleston pitched up on the television the other day on Daybreak. Small wonder the audiences are turning off. I mean, to be honest with you, this, uh, this girl who flaunts her wealth in front of everybody's face, I'm afraid we don't want to see on the television. The fact that somebody's, you know, had a court case and they were trying to blackmail her is nothing to do with us as far as I'm concerned. If you pick wrong people, that's your own problem. And uh, so she's discussed the recent court case. She says uh, of this man... Uh, he was a disgusting human being, and I would absolutely stand up for what he's right. Absolutely. And that's why Daybreak's audience has just fallen away. Because I don't think you, the great British public, give a forex. You don't give that for Tamara Eccleston. You know, you're rich. You better pick your friends a bit better. She can't seem to pick friends. Can't seem to pick boyfriends. This one goes back years. This is really a, a long, 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 long time ago. Oh, strange enough, there was a picture of Emma Bunton in the paper. And uh, she was talking about how much she loves being a mother to her two young boys, Bo and Tate. It's Mother's Day on Sunday. I was looking in our local pound shop the other day. Well, just in the window. I didn't actually go inside. I have been inside before. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a snob or anything like that. And they've got lots of things for Mother's Day. So for any young people listening at the moment thinking, what can I buy my mum for Mother's Day for a pound... I'll, I'll ask your mum if she'll lend you the money. Uh, then you can, uh, you can get all sorts of nice things. And you can go in there and you can get little chicks and oh, all sorts of little presents that I'm sure that your mother would appreciate. Uh, 84850, uk. We don't do uh, fan cards, I'm afraid, uh, to uh, Melbourne, Australia or otherwise. Uh, you can download a picture from the internet, I think. If you, uh, I know, you imagine. Years ago we used to do, uh, you call them fan cards in Australia, do them. Over here we just called them, I don't know what we called them actually, what do we call them? Signed photo. Yeah, people say, can I have a signed photo? And you'd sort of sign the photo and pop it in an envelope and send it off. Well, we don't do... We haven't done signed photos for ages because over the years, LBC, when they did a photo session, they would do it for the whole station. Literally for every single presenter. So without being rude, everybody from our religious affairs correspondent all the way through to uh, somebody who'd been doing a programme for two days got themselves a photo card. And the only person, it's going to make me sound really awful, the only person who managed to get rid of all their, their photos quite quickly was me. Mainly because people listened to the programme and they thought, I can't believe what this one looks like. And we didn't really have the internet. Now we've got the internet, so you can go online, you can go to the LBC website, and you can download all the pictures. In fact, if you really want to download pictures, if you go to the Steve Allen page, I think all the Christmas ones are up there from a couple of years ago. All the pantomime pictures. And you can download those and have as much fun as you like. You could use me as a dartboard. But uh, the more you download, the happier I become. The happier I become. Uh, 84850. Uh, Paul says, re Helen Flanagan, although she acts incredibly dumb, she's not acting dumb, she is dumb. He said, how did she secure the part she had in Coronation Street? You've only got to learn some lines. It's not difficult. She says, don't you have to be fairly articulate to audition for... No, of course you don't. What you've got to do is have the ability to read a line and learn it. The cat sat on the mat. You don't have to be articulate or intelligent to read lines. I mean, surely you must know that. Good Lord. Can't believe that. You're not related to her, are you? She is dumb. Believe you me, she is dumb. Even the son the other day said, is this the thickest woman in Britain? And the answer is, well, she's one of them. There are a number, I'm afraid. 
84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Absolutely appalling, Steve, that Justin Bieber was two hours late at the O2. No reason he's going to get fined for it. And the reason he's going to get fined, probably, maybe, allegedly, uh, is because you're standing there with young children waiting to see your hero. You know, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? He's little Bieber. He sings his little song. And he comes out. He's being fined because he was late on stage and it breaks all the rules. Every single venue have got rules. And the rule is the music's got to be off by a certain time. People have got to get home. If you've got a family of young people and you're two hours late, that's when the concert finishes. They generally last two hours, OK? And they're late. How are you supposed to get home? You're then going home after midnight. And with young people, that is just unacceptable. The noise curfews, also the staff in the venue, they would want to be out by 11 o'clock. No, unfortunately, you're still suffering with the Justin Bieber concert. So they would all have to be paid. They would have to try and work it. You know, it's, it's inconvenient all round. It just shows rank amateurism. It really annoys me. There's nothing worse than people who are just... I mean, what possible reason, unless he'd broken his foot or his voice had disappeared, would you ever have for being two hours late? We, we had it bad at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon some years ago. I was ten minutes late going on stage because the microphone frequency was tuned to something else. And we couldn't work out why it was tuned to something else. It was all very peculiar. And so in the end we went on with a handheld because the, uh, the clip-on mics were picking up next door's theatre sound. And uh, we didn't work that one out at all till a little bit later. So, you know, shame on Justin Bieber. He's done enough shows to know by now that all these venues have curfews. And the curfew is if you're a, a fan of Justin Bieber, and I'm assuming <coughs> younger, you think younger than that. Oh, right. Oh, so I've just pushed the wrong button. I've just read, I pushed a cough button and you probably just upset myself. I'm sorry about that. Do you know, that was it's the first time I've ever done it. First time I've ever done it. I've got, I've got this... Um, board in front of me and it's got all sorts of things written on it and I wanted to cough and so I pushed what I thought was the cough button and instead I've just uh, I've just proffed myself on the programme so you probably heard something what would they have heard well, they've heard a bit of music or something what do they hear I don't know what people hear on that oh they just heard the cough oh I'm so sorry I was, I was hoping it didn't appear I'm obviously looking at the right I can't read anything here Oh, TB. What does that stand for? What, what for coughing? Oh, right, you push TB for coughing. Look at me, honestly. 34 years in the business, ladies and gentlemen, and still, at the ripe old age of 38, I pushed the blooming dump button here for a cough. I wonder why I could hear myself coughing. I thought that was a... As I was doing it, I was thinking, that's a bit, a bit strange. Anyway, Justin Bieber. <coughs> naughty, naughty. Please don't do it again. It's very, it's very rude. It's very offensive to uh, fans. Uh, you know, fans will do anything. Although we discovered yesterday, do you remember when that poor girl wrote a review of one of Justin's albums and said how great it was, and he then uh, contacted her, and then other... <coughs> excuse me. Justin Bieber... <coughs> oh, blimey. That's typical of six, isn't it? <coughs> other Justin Bieber fans rounded on her and uh, were calling for death threats. And, and you think, goodness sake, why are these people so horrible? They're called what? Believers. I mean, the trouble is to me, he only looks about 12, but he went out to the cinema the other night 
and uh, he was being all coy and shy. Unlike the night before, he was walking along with his shirt off and his trousers halfway down his bottom, which obviously appeals to uh, Bieber fans. But I thought to myself, why does he need to go to the cinema? He's Justin Bieber. Don't you just call out and somebody sends you the DVD round? And you sit at home in the hotel room. But uh, don't ever be late again, Justin. It's very unprofessional. And uh, your mummy will come down and smack the back of your legs, OK? So she should. Must remember which is the cough button again. Let's have a go at that in a moment. Uh, we'll take a short break. News at six o'clock. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Tuesday morning in London town. And apparently the good news is, here I am, the bringer of good news. It's going to be 16 degrees today. I might even wear a Hawaiian shirt. I've, oh, it's not going to be 16 degrees. Oh, it's, apparently the weather forecast has changed. It's now not going to be 16 degrees. Snow, wind, rain. No, just not going to be as warm as 16 degrees. Uh, sorry about it. I'll take that all back. We'll take the news, though, with Sam Pittis. Six. I don't see wincy at nighties. I don't know why. I just, I just can't. Sorry, I was just having one of those strange discussions. You sort of come in at the end of a strange discussion. You know, I won't, I won't tell you what, what the... I will, actually. I'll tell you what the discussion. No, I won't, actually. No, no I, I can't betray confidences about things people talk about. But it's funny, isn't it? Because all the people I know at the moment, or a lot of the people I know, are single. And at one time, there used to be what, what was loosely called a stigma to being single. People say, oh, you're so single. <sighs> oh, as if, it was, as if it was something, you know, terrible. And yet I now know so many single people who are quite happy to be single. Literally quite happy to be single. I mean, London as it is, I mean, you can always meet people. It's not that difficult. But to actually, but I was, I was sort of talking a while ago with a friend. And I said to this friend, I said, I don't know, I just don't see you with somebody, you know, sharing your life. I don't know why. And so they said, um, no, he said, he said, I don't, he said all that chat, 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 chat all the time. He said, you know, once a week, maybe not on a permanent basis. And I said, yeah, I said, it, it does, you know, and it, it can, some people do relationships and some people don't do relationships. And all the people I tend to know, they either don't drink. I was talking to Brian the other day from Twickenham Station. He's not drunk for something like 30 years, 30 years. I th I'm sure he said 30, whatever it was. I remember thinking, well, he doesn't need to worry about things like that. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's a case of if you don't drink and if you don't smoke and if you don't want to sort of do socialising, and yet I've got another friend of mine who is desperate to meet somebody, absolutely desperate, you know, to the point of what did I think about dating agencies? And I said, well, I've got no idea. I mean, in, in this business, you do meet a lot of people. Sadly, a lot of people who don't want to go anywhere near you with a barge pole, but that's neither here nor there. It's a case of you do meet people in this business because you work with people. And so I look on this as kind of having a relationship. I don't think the other members of LPC see it quite the same way. I just see that by myself. But it, it's funny, isn't it, in London, it, it, whether it works like this in Manchester or Liverpool or Newcastle, I don't know. But in London, it's so big, keeping relationships together. I mean, even for people on the television... Is nigh on impossible. Every time you turn on a reality show, it's relationships that are at the at, at the at the core of it. It's like having dinner parties. There's a, a lovely uh, piece that's in the Express today on Debrets, and it's the new rules of dining, because people don't do dining. I mean, if you want to meet people now, generally speaking, and I've spoken to single people before. If you live in a small village. And you move in, if you're a, a woman by herself, the chances are you will not be integrated into the village. 
because all the women will worry that you'll be after their husband. And all the husbands will be going, hello, you're a bit new, aren't you? Because if you're seen as a single woman, you're a threat to just about everybody. So nobody's going to encourage that at all. The only time they can encourage that is if you're a, a member of the WI. And you... Um, and you sort of go along to the WI and you learn to cook and you do all these other things. And it becomes women uh, together. But for these relationships, it just doesn't work. I mean, I, I have a brother who loves a relationship. You know, he, he doesn't like being out of a relationship. He works better in a relationship. Me, I'm better out of a relationship. You know, all the people I know, barring, literally just barring a few, are quite happy to be single and not necessarily play the field... It's just that they just don't see themselves settling down with the one person. And this seems to run through everybody. It doesn't matter whether they're Christian, gay, straight, black, white, pink, green. makes no difference at all. It's a case of in London, you can actually enjoy and embrace being single. You know, and then you think, oh, I don't want to settle down just yet. I'll settle down later. And I've seen it happen with a lot of people in this business. They, they leave it quite late. Because you meet loads of people, you know, people that like you, or, you know, if, you, if you're in the business, it's great. You get lots of fans and things like that. But, uh, but you, you probably leave it until the very end. I remember talking to a friend of mine once and said, we're probably going to end our days sitting on a porch in rocking chairs, rocking backwards and forwards, going, I remember when I was single, kind of thing, you know, just, just being happy. I think the reason, or the, or the trick to being single in London is liking yourself. If you don't like yourself or you don't like anything about yourself, then you can have a very miserable time. If you like yourself, then you like your own company. And if you like your own company, you're comfortable. It's only the insecurity of going, oh, I've got to go out tonight. Why? I've got to meet somebody. Why? Well, because it's coming up to the weekend. I don't want to be single. You go, well, you are going to be single. You're going to be single at the weekend because you're going out with the wrong attitude. You know, people like you because they like you. and They're comfortable with you. But it's single women who have the big problems. I've spoken to a lot of people over the years, and, uh, and they've said, moving into villages, it's like, you know, all of a sudden a brick wall goes up. But there are new rules on dining. So if you're thinking of having a dinner party, uh, there are lots of hard and fast rules as to how you make it successful. Uh, apart from that, you've got to find out who's vegetarian and who's not, and that's the first obstacle that you have to overcome. The second thing is you've got to have a good mix a good mix of people who can chat about a variety of topics. I'm not saying you need to rehearse it. But, you know, um, you've just got to make sure you get the right people. There's no point <coughs> excuse me, in having people for dinner if they can't hold a conversation. Most people, 99.9% .9 of you, should be able to talk about something, even if it's bus timetables. There is something that you can talk about. And that's the key to a good dinner party. And in London... You could do it. You don't have to be at home. You can all go and meet up in a restaurant. You can probably have just as much fun in a Burger King as you can in a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Although I've never actually seen a party of people sitting down in a Kentucky Fried Chicken. I find it quite interesting to do it. Um, you must stay the course, though. If you've got people round for dinner and they're drinking, you can't just wander off to bed. The wandering off to bed bit is not a good idea. If you don't want the evening to go on, you should warn guests beforehand. Princess Margaret was a classic example of people going round for dinner. If it's a member of the royal family, you cannot leave until they leave or they go to bed. And in the case of Princess Margaret, she could stay up all night. Once she'd started drinking and telling bawdy stories and smoking around the piano and stuff like, oh, my God, you'd be there forever in a day. I've spoken to people who've been to Princess Margaret's and you can practically be dead on your legs and she's still kicking her heels up, having a bit of fun. 
because they don't do it every single night of the week. For the rest of us who hold down a normal job, the time it gets to 7 o'clock at night, you're dying, aren't you? You're sort of thinking to yourself, I'm not sure I can cope with this. And that's why, when I looked at all the pictures in the paper today of the Queen, who every month has a private dinner party, they go through the papers and they pick out people who they think would be interesting to have for dinner. And it can be anybody. It can be a dancer, a singer. It can be all sorts of people. All sorts of people. And they just go round there and they have what they call an informal meet the Queen kind of party. And I've spoken to people who've been to them. And I remember speaking to one lady and she said to me, she said, it was, it was so funny because you see the royal family with their guard down a little bit. Not, not too much, just a little bit. Enough to make you realise that it's still the royal family but they're trying to be as normal as they can be. And it can't be that easy. The Queen does everything. She determines when the next course is out. So woe betide you if you've been chatting, because she pushes a little button under the table, as if by magic all the flunkies appear, and your food is taken away, whether you've finished it or not. You know, they're not sitting... But once the Queen's ready to move on, it's all time to perfection, they do this thing. But I remember a friend of mine was sitting next to Prince Philip, and Prince Philip said, I'm, I'm so pleased. We've got spotted dick and custard. And she said he, he derived such pleasure out of something so seemingly innocuous and innocent that she said you couldn't help but smile. And talking of smiling, that's what the Queen is doing on the front of all the pages today of the newspapers with the headline, Told You Not To Make A Fuss. At 86, she's had her overnight uh, stay and she's back to work. And that's why I'm here this morning. LBC 97.3. 97.3. And Nick Ferrari after the news at seven. The government reveals it's seeking ways to give local, local people priority for council houses. Nick will want to know, will it work? Plus, after a psychiatric patient was sentenced to 37 years for decapitating a woman in the street, Nick will be uh, finding out how many more people with mental health issues are slipping through the net. And how would you feel? I wasn't sure about this one because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm with this at all. How you feel about the London police wearing high-visibility yellow jackets as part of their standard uniform? Presumably, they only wear the yellow jackets now when they're going out to do uh, crowd control and stuff like that. I think they should wear it all the time. I think they should wear it all the time. I mean, you know, make them stand out an awful lot more. Definitely. I don't, I don't have any problem with that at all. But Nick will talk about that uh, this morning. And uh, more... Very interesting on the Nicola Edgington, who's been sentenced to 37 years for murder. And this is all, this goes back to the Conservative government, as far as I remember. You know, people with mental health issues, they were closing these uh, outpatient departments all over the place. In fact, uh, a mental hospital down in Southall, where sadly my grandmother died, that's not any recommendation, let me tell you, because it was a ghastly place, uh, is now a housing estate. They knocked it down. The Conservative government, just technically, you know, or, or realistically, or unrealistically, threw these people out on the streets. There were people wandering about all over the place who had mental health issues, who needed some sort of stability. My grandmother was in this place near Southall, just by the bridge there, a huge, huge uh, mental institution, and we used to go and visit, but, I mean, she didn't know anybody at all. She'd forgotten there's people wandering about in the corridors, people banging their head against walls. I mean, it was a sad, sad place. Sad, sad place. But that's why there are people now with mental health issues out on the streets who hear voices. We had that man in Spain who decapitated that woman with that knife. He attacked her, at ra you know, randomly and decapitated, saying he heard voices. Dreadful, really. Nick will talk about that uh, this morning on lbc.co.uk. Uh, Carol says, like you, I prefer to be single. 
You get used to it. You can do your own things without being accountable to anybody. By the way, who makes all these new rules about dining and such like? Desperately sad single people who want to be in relationships. I think that's what it is. It is true, actually. Angela says, who would be at your informal dinner party? Uh, I'd so want to invite you. Yes, I get invited to a lot of things like that. I like dinner parties. The only thing I don't like, I don't like the dressing up bit. I'm not, I'm not big into the dressing up. I, li- I like dinner parties. I like food. I'm fairly free and easy about what I eat. My friend uh, Paul Savory gives good dinner parties. You know, we've had one, two, three, we're about eight or ten. And, and that's been really good. I like that kind of thing. Or failing that, I like going out to restaurants with people and just sitting there. But then, of course, if you're sitting at home, it is easy to fall upstairs, isn't it, into, into bed. As opposed to sitting in a restaurant thinking, I've now got to get a train and get home again. So it's, it's, it's going to be quite interesting in London. If you're a, I mean, there might be loads of you listening at the moment going, oh, I couldn't be single. Oh, I couldn't be single. In my informal dinner party, it, I, I, don't, I don't have names. You know, I've been out with famous people, as you know, for, for dinner and lunches and breakfasts and stuff like that. And I love that as well. All I tend to do is gossip about things. And especially if I've had a glass of wine, I'm even worse. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, listen, this is what I'm like sober. You can imagine when I've had a few drinks. Oh, dear me. The stuff that you hear, and, and people are just as bad. They encourage it. Because we all like gossip in this country, which is, which is fairly good. But I like the idea of uh, preferring to be single. As long as you like your own company, then you're fine. Then you're absolutely fine. If you don't like your own company, you're going to find it difficult. But the majority of people are going to find it absolutely fine, especially in London. Uh, I've recently changed my job from working nights to days, says Mark. I thought I'd not be able to listen to your show anymore. I realise that resistance is futile and I am addicted to listening. I shall now go to work short of sleep. Well, that's good. I don't, I don't mind that, actually. I think that's, that's well worth it because we, we like to be kind to people. We don't, actually. I'm not, I'm not really in the business of being kind to people. I'm not in the business of doing a happy, smiley, clappy sort of programme. I sort of watch things on the television. I see things. We talk about it. It's like a diary of events. It's all the things that annoy you, are going to annoy me, and are going to annoy just about everybody else. There's a woman here who makes jam. Now, I don't do uh, jam at all. I li- I li- I'm very envious of anybody who can make it. And this woman here is Christine Munro. She's queen of the jam makers. She's 74... And all her recipes are her mother's recipes from the from the war years. She makes 50,000 jars a year, and she's won awards and everything. She's thinking about going on Dragon's Den to take the business to the next stage. And it's called Christine's Cheshire Relish. She does chilli jam. Actually, a friend of mine does chilli jam as well. Loads of people do all sorts of, uh, of jams and stuff like that. The, the only thing that people never make, as far as I know, they don't make lemon curd. I've never heard of people making lemon curd. Oh, you can make lemon curd. Oh, right. Oh, apparently now, of course, having said that, all of a sudden the hands go up around the studio. I make it. I make it. Oh, I make it. We make it over here. Two mice sitting in the corner. Oh, I make it as well. Slug outside on the pavement. Everybody makes it. I don't make lemon curd. My mother used to make cream cakes, though. She could make cream horns, cream slices. It's making my mouth water, actually. Every time I walk past Patisserie Valerie's window... I get a strange craving to have a cream cake. I don't, of course, being a good a good diabetic, but I, I do get the craving for it occasionally. I occasionally think, oh, I could just go with cream cake this morning. You know when you get it all over? You know, oh, dear. Actually, if you were at the uh, O2 last night for Justin Bieber, could you give us a ring? We'd love to hear from you. They would love to hear from, from people 
who were at the Justin... Because apparently families were walking out because it went so late. Because if you've got young children there, you've got to be with mummy and daddy. And then they go, what do you mean it's not starting until 10.30? We should have been home in bed by 11. No chance. 84850, steve at So if you were at Justin Bieber's concert last night, were you as angry as I suspect I would have been? I would have been very, very cross, I'm afraid, and probably I would have walked out, same as a lot of other people. You just can't stay there all night. It's just not fair. <coughs> Excuse me, it's all right, um, you know, if you're a slightly older person, but people have got school to go to. If you've got school and you've got to get home, then you've got to to make sure you can get... And, of course, it's, I mean, it's... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Way out. Typical, isn't it? There we go. Finally, let's have a quick look at the uh, front pages. Change your pillow, apparently, to stop snoring. I love some of the stories in the mail, on uh, the mail, especially on Sunday as well, but uh, the, the one today, change your pillow to stop snoring. I change my pillows on a regular basis. I don't know if the rest of you do. Uh, plus, the real way to predict a baby's sex. A string of police blunders. This is the story Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about this morning, which meant a psychiatric patient and convicted killer remained free to commit murder. The Queen looking very pleased, getting over her gastroenteritis. This woman must be made of really stern stuff. Some this morning, a Chinese takeaway worker who served a bailed cannibal suspected suspect is in hiding, terrifying of, uh, of being eaten. Uh, the Queen going home, looking very happy, and temperature getting to, uh, well, they say 13 to 16 degrees today. 13 to 16 degrees. But the Met Office say the cold, wintry weather will be back very soon, so brace yourselves. More pictures on the front of the Times of the Queen, and the stars coming out for Stella McCartney. <coughs> Excuse me, they were all out there for her, uh, her fashion show the other day. So congratulations to her, including Dad. <coughs> and, uh, and new wife as well. Independent on the front page. The uh, PM tells the Cabinet, NIMBY, stop trying to load cuts on welfare. And uh, five former health secretaries gave their unequivocal backing to Sir David Nicholson, the beleaguered head of the NHS, who faces calls for his resignation in the wake of the Mid-Staffordshire scandal. All of that and more in the papers today, but especially if you went to Justin Bieber last night, we'd love to hear from you at LBC. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time. Have a great day. Nick and the team with you at 7. Next, the LBC Morning News with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.